welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we're going to be talking about the cursed child. Wow. The it's finally here. Child. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. The most cursed, cursed of children. I'm so well, excited for this episode. Like I'm literally pumped. There is lots of things to update you guys on first so many. there's 12 oh. pages of notes oh it man. took me five days to write the framework in which we wrote the notes <laughs> and then several other days for everybody to put in their notes so there's a lot to discuss there's a lot to mm-hmm. unpack mm-hmm. but we're gonna take a little bit of a detour into some personal broom chick history because the the cursed podcast. The, the cursed. Literally, we are the cursed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I have suffered, and Elizabeth has suffered, and Marianne has suffered what mm-hmm. I could possibly call the most tragic day of our lives. Twenty-four oh, hours. I mean, I mean, hours. collectively together, uh, it was it was a twenty-four hour marathon of literal tragedy. <laughs> Shakespeare somewhere in his grave like wow I never wrote anything that bad okay okay let's begin uh, for our American listeners just so you're aware Jenny is uh of Cuban descent so all of that was very exact yes so dramatic okay first of all I thought you were gonna say for our American listeners Shakespeare wrote tragedy going i was like americans know this too are we, do they uh, do they are we sure? i mean if you took an english class i'd hope so <laughs> but the american school system is quite poor but anyway yeah i don't know about that kids are not kids so are not so yes i am i am exaggerative uh i am cuban that is the traits of the cuban people yep. so let us begin 24 <laughs> hours ago unwrap oh go well i guess really we can begin like a year ago when the broom chick started and we bought what we thought was going to be part of our lives for many years to come our mixer (laughs) (laughs) lo and behold that mixer gave us more problems than something that gives you problems okay (laughs) and there was cords that didn't work there was there was mixers that actually broke and then we literally, while recording our Voldemort episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. Shameless plug. <laughs> we had to track down Marianne's pseudo cousins who also have a podcast. <laughs> we stole their mixer and used some of our cords to keep the thing alive. Okay. So we had a Frankenstein mixer for everything <laughs> Voldemort and onward. And then lo and behold, we plug it in yesterday to record this beautiful episode which and it was already <laughs> late by the way <laughs> it was already late because things happen in life okay right? so we're literally like down to the wire the last possible moment to record this episode <laughs> and i'm like hey elizabeth this is like 30 minutes into me talking to her i'm like hey you sound kind of weird by the way i think it's the internet <laughs> And guess what, guys? I don't even think I was home at this point. No. You weren't even in the room yet. (laughs) Okay. It was just me and Elizabeth talking about life. And I was like, you sound kind of weird. I think that we should start like a new 
meeting because now we have to do meeting since I live somewhere else. She was like, okay, no probs. <laughs> then boom, we start a new meeting. Marianne has appeared out of nowhere. The mixer was mess. broken. Okay. There was a panic. We had to do a live because we were so panicked. <laughs> we were so worried about this episode not being released on time. And we literally hopped on Instagram in the middle of the tantrum that we were having to let you guys know <laughs> that this wasn't going to happen on time. Oh my God. So, oh man. so then we pull our schedules together. I'm literally useless because I'm 1200 miles to the nearest <laughs> anything that can get us a mixer. Okay. And Elizabeth and Marianne pull it together. Elizabeth's like, I don't start my day until two o'clock tomorrow. I can go in the morning. I can get us a mixer. We find one. I send it to them. Okay. I found, I located the mixer from Texas. I text them a picture of the mixer. Then we look up the times this for this music store. Okay. Oh, yep. For which we were going to, to buy this mixer. And it tells us that it opens at what, like 1030. 10 Elizabeth. 10 a.m. Oh, I'm sorry. At 10 a.m. Elizabeth does her due diligence and she's sitting in that parking lot. The internet lied and it opened at 11 a.m. So now we're an hour delayed in our project. Okay. <laughs> Elizabeth walks in. There is only one functional mixer in the store that suits our needs. All we needed was a mixer with a USB port. There was one mixer in that whole place and we bought it. Yep. But then, but then wait, you yes. would think that this is the climactic, like, success of our story, mm -hmm. but you would be wrong because There's Elizabeth more. goes home. She unpacks the mixer and it's missing the USB cable. So Elizabeth, in all her infinite wisdom, decides <laughs> to bring back the Frankenstein cords from our <laughs> second mixer, plugs it into her computer, and baby, did we have sound. But so I'm talking to her. Nothing is happening. It's going great. We decide to start recording once we've sound checked with this new behemoth of gold that we bought. Okay. I'm literally, we're poor. We're poor now. Elizabeth can't even feed her child. So we plug in this mixer and I literally almost died because guess what, everybody? It didn't work. The sound so, was still messed up. Mind you, again, I will remind you, I am 1,200 miles away. So I see Elizabeth's face, and I see Marianne starts a nervous laugh, and I know that something is wrong with the sound quality. <laughs> I literally hung up. I was on FaceTime. I hung up. Phone. I hung up the phone because I, I didn't want to hear bad news. I didn't want to have to delay this again. I could not afford another panic attack, okay? I don't have a therapist. <laughs> so I literally hang up. I took a couple breathers. I called everybody back. And Elizabeth then gives me the bad news I didn't want to hear. She's like, by the way, this doesn't work. <laughs> so we just spent literal hundreds of dollars on a mixer. We went through emotional turmoil that I can't even begin to describe. <laughs> and it doesn't even work. <laughs> She's crying in pain, honestly. This is the truth that we've been <laughs> laughing on. because it's so it's cursed. So it's anyway. cursed. It's cursed. The literal tears are falling from my eyes. So then I I quickly because apparently <laughs> Jenny, put yourself so together. <laughs> what the heck? 
can't even. So apparently, I'm queen of locating things in the state of Florida. Yes. <laughs> so I, I found us the cord that we thought was broken. And I'm like, Marianne, the store closes at midnight. You have time to go. Okay. Jenny. So I will continue for Jenny. Jenny's <laughs> taking a breather. So Jenny locates a store at a Target here in Florida, and she's like, Marianne, Jesus go. for Target, thank you. Yeah, Jesus, thanks, Jesus for Target. Uh, Marianne, go. We're going to go on an adventure. We're going to get a cord. And I'm like, but wait. Elizabeth is an amazing Hermione. Of Elizabeth a- in her infinite wisdom. <laughs> I had a moment, and I was like, you know what? So like, we, we plug in everything to my Mac at home, and it's always given me issues personally, never on the podcast. But it's always giving me issues. So I was like, what if it's just my Mac? What if I just plug it into my laptop? Then I think we'll be fine. And both of these girls were about to, like, ready to jinx us straight up. Like, Elizabeth, it's not the Mac. It's going to be the cable. <laughs> She's saying like, these girls, but she means Jenny because I was the only one that said that. <laughs> nope, no, I said it too. Yep. Oh, you I, did? Oh, well, I said there you it go. Too. <laughs> I was like, would you rather it be your, like, super expensive desktop or, like, a $6 cord? And then she proved me wrong. Yeah, and it turns out this whole time, it was always my Mac. It was always the Mac. Just- so let us let us recap for you real quick. Yeah. We bought uh, several hundred dollars worth of mixer products. We used a cord that's not even ours. And it wasn't even worth anything because it's just Elizabeth's computer that hates us. Yep. That sounds about so, right. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is a, as good a time as any to let you know. Uh, that we're poor. And if you want to go to patreon.com <laughs> and search the three broom chicks, <laughs> you are more than welcome because we're going to need money. <laughs> There's a lot of things <laughs> that we're professionals here <laughs> and the broom chicks with our transitions. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're super good with the transitions. I'm going to hit you with a good slide. <laughs> go to Patreon, look up the three broom chicks, look at all the beautiful tiers. I hand wrote them for you. We've got amazing you got so tiers. many perks. So many so perks. Many perks. So many benefits. We've got yes. a, my favorite is the hashtag multi fandom tier where you yes. get an extra episode of us. And then we get to talk about not only Harry Potter, but other fandoms as well that we are yeah. a part of. Like SpongeBob. Sure. Yes, not. because we all know that I, I love SpongeBob. <laughs> yes. The Mortal Instruments. Yes. All the things. So we're excited. Yeah. We and are very excited and very poor. Yes, very poor. But and you know, on a serious note, please support our podcast. You know, this is not yes. our full time job. It and is it, not. It costs money to put up a podcast. So yeah. we appreciate literally <laughs> we appreciate anything you're able to donate to us. Absolutely. Um, as a thank you for uh, all patrons when they subscribe. They will actually get an exclusive episode that we're going to record soon about uh-huh. LGBTQ rights yes. and Harry Potter. Yes. And the tragic fire that J.K. Rowling started okay, with her yeah. big mouth. We are going to save that. Yes, for our we episode. are. And we're going to have a special guest on our episode, and too. We will, yes, we will have a special yeah. guest. So if you want this episode, if you're like, wow, this sounds so interesting. I want to hear them talk crap about J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Become a patron. You can become a yes. $2 tier patron and yes. never forget still get it. Hashtag political themes. 
Hashtag political themes. It's like JK Rowling listens to our podcast and wanted to give us content. Absolutely. That's <laughs> on Twitter. Yes, yes. So I guess we can head now into our owl post for this episode. Ooh. Owls. Those, those, listen, that's the new soundboard from our new mixer. Sounds even better than last season. We've got special effects on this Yamaha. It's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, also, Yamaha, if you're listening, thank you. Support our podcast. (laughs) Sponsor us. Sponsor us, please. Jenny is our shameless plug person. Yes. I am shameless and I do plug. (laughs) okay get ready because i'm on fire tonight ladies and gentlemen Mm, let's go all right so our first owl post is from random pat's posts what's up he asked what do you three think is the most important thing hp did teach us about growing up also greetings from switzerland yes okay I'm going to start because I have a lot of things to unpack here. Whoa. Multiple pins. Pin one. Unpinning it. Well, that's not the real pin from the episode, um, but you get it. Yeah. So first of all, I love Switzerland. Always wanted to visit. <laughs> so big high fives to you. Two, we keep calling it a he, but we don't really know if it's a he or a she or true. however they choose to identify. It's 2020. Let's that's get with true. the program. Part three is actually answering this question. <laughs> I think that AP, AP, HP, Harry Potter, if you're unfamiliar, taught us a lot of things growing up. Specifically for me, the power of friendship. Wow, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, there you go. I'm glad I went first. Definitely friendship. But I, I mean, I know that I've said this in other episodes before, and I know that it's probably like a common theme, but I mean, we all know that I love me some Juan Juan, but the man just had such a sense of humor and I, that is just how I handle my life. I mean, mm-hmm. you could see that I'm, I literally at the beginning of this episode was crying from laughing so hard at the tragedy that has ensued. <laughs> that is clearly how I handle my emotional issues. Yeah. And so that for me, like reading it and seeing it represented in a book and seeing someone else kind of carry that on was super nice. Because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, when you see other people doing things that you do or you get to relate to them, it just makes you feel more normal. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't really care about anymore, but everybody likes to feel like they're part of something. So I feel like those books gave us that. Now that you say that, like, besides friendship, I really learned a lot about bravery from Harry Potter as well. Like, standing up for others, standing up for your friends, standing against you, like, standing against your friends when it needs to. I can't, I I was trying to get the exact quote that Dumbledore said in book one, but I could not at all get the (laughs) exact quote. But it taught me a lot about bravery as well. I really appreciated that. I think I would be like the traditional corniness and I learned a lot about love and what love means throughout the book. Oh, that's nice. Um, Yeah, I'm just a corny ass person and I love. (laughs) You literally are though, like the corniest person that I know. You are for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just learned a lot about how I want to love, how I want to love my friends and my family and my chosen family. And that's why I love you all so fiercely. Goodbye. Goodbye. The podcast is over. I hope you had a good time. (laughs) Yeah. And I also want to kind of touch upon too, is that I feel like whenever I'm reading a book, I have this habit of really just kind of being enveloped in it. And it also gave me like, 
it sounds weird, but it gave me a place to go. Mm-hmm. Does that make yes. sense? Like I wasn't yeah. in my bedroom, yes. like under the covers. Like I was really at Hogwarts having adventures. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said in my life. When you said, here. when you said envelope, you, for those of you who are not seeing her, she like enveloped her hands like a blanket. I did. And I was like, wow. because also keep it straight. I speak with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of our Latin traits are coming out tonight. Yes. They really are. Fancy. Let me go. All right. Fancy. I actually love that question. Thank you, Random Pat's Pose. Yeah. Yeah. That was sweet. That was a nice Oh, 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 whoa, wait, wait. I totally forgot that I wanted to do this. And I'm springing it on Marianne and Elizabeth. So I hope that they're okay with it. Okay. I would just like to personally thank Random Pat's Pose. Like, a huge thank you. Oh, yeah. He is one of our very first patrons. That's true. Or, I'm sorry, they are one of our very first patrons. And we are so unbelievably happy. And they have been so, so supportive of us. And it really just means so much to have somebody who is listening to this content and actually connecting with it in some sort Mm -hmm. of way. We see you on social media. We know the people that are mostly active on there and contribute to us. And we love you so, so, so much. And we thank you for being so avidly active and like reaching out to us. Yeah. Like, yes, really like we, we care about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So thank you, Random Pat's Post, for being our wonderful patron. Yes. yes. Round yeah. of applause. That was my round of applause noise. <laughs> we don't. We should have a round of round of applause sound effects. I, I can't do what? it. What do you think? Maybe our new mixer. <laughs> Maybe our new mixer. Hold on. One, two, three. It's really, it's been an interesting like five seconds to watch you do that (laughs) on this video chat. So thank you. We'll release the footage later on. If you (laughs) (laughs) patrons only. All right. Again, thank you, Random Pets Post. Moving on to Ariana Dietrich, twenty-seven, who I also love so so much. Yes. Yes. Shout out. Uh, Her question was was Voldemort even human enough to father a child mm. was magic used to make Delphi I'm gonna dive right into answering this mm. oh my she's got strong feelings okay I don't think that magic was used to make Delphi because one of the magical laws is you know magic cannot create life yes so Delphi couldn't Receipts. have been created in that way and honestly when I'm thinking of like these fantasy books and fantasy worlds if Edward Cullen could have a baby after being dead for over 200 years. Spoiler think- alert! <laughs> oh my lordy. <laughs> I think Voldemort could. You know? Okay. Well, I mean, it's true. He was basically like resurrected in a way. Like yeah. he was dead and now he's back to life. So I guess. If he had, you know, blood in his veins. Yeah, and, and as long <laughs> as, um, I'm, I'm just going to s- state it, as long as his penis didn't shrink with his nose, it worked. <laughs> I mean, well, technically it could have shrunk, but we won't go there. Oh, Second, my goodness. I think this is actually a great transition into something that I wanted to ask you guys. So okay. I'll start with my part first, and then I'm going to hit you with that professional transition that we're known for here at the Broom Chick. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that i mean even in the real world as sad as it is you don't need love to create another human being 
I mean, plenty mm-hmm. of people are born out of, out of situations that are less than picture perfect. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think that it was like magic didn't need to, didn't need to be used. And I'm, I don't remember if I'm giving you the hashtag facts. I, I don't remember if I read this or if I'm making it up, but I could swear that I read somewhere that while under a love potion, you can't get pregnant, but I don't know. Yes. You can. That is oh, right. Right. Can. Oh, yes. you can. Okay. So then I'm wrong. So then erase everything that I just said. Wait, I so, think you can. No, I think you can't get pregnant because isn't that how Voldemort was? Oh, that pregnant? is. That is yes. totally. You know what? I'm dumb. It's fine. So anyways, back to what <laughs> I was saying. I still don't think that like anything needed to occur for that. It yeah. could have just been like a random one-off sort of instance yeah. or there was some like actual planning going into it. Like, I don't know. I'm going to need a henchman or a henchwoman or whatever. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't think that magic was used, though. I think it came about organically. But, I mean, I guess it also kind of raises the question, like, do you think that Voldemort was a father because do you consider the cursed child canon? So we asked this during our giveaway. We yes. asked people to comment if they thought that it was ah. canon or not. So I figured it would only be right to say if we consider the book canon. Oh. <laughs> do you want okay. me to give you a second to think about it and I can start? I kind of... Yeah. I kind of have an idea of my response as whether I'm happy with it or not, honestly, just because her name is on the book, JK Rowling, I consider it canon. Like I get it that she's not the only one who wrote it. And honestly, I will get to the rest of my explanations and my thoughts on the writing of the cursed child. But unfortunately, her name it is tied, and it is the first one, even it, though she's not the only one. So unfortunately, if it's coming from her, I have to take it as canon, as much as I have my problems with it. And I don't have my problems with it, because I'm, you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. But that's my, I, it's just as a writer, you, that's, that is your, um, responsibility that is your right it's your story so who can who is going to give you the right to say that it's not canon or not if you're the one who created the world do you get what i'm saying so unfortunately it doesn't really matter what i think her name's on the book or well i guess the script really because this is really just a script a rehearsal script so her name's on it so just kind of shuts me up in that way so that's my thought that's my two cents jenny I think I'm going to surprise people here and I'm going to say that I do accept it as canon. Mm-hmm. Although I wow. will also that underline, I will also underline for you that I vehemently hate this book, but it's true. What Marianne says, her name is on it. She agreed to it. She said it was canon. So I have to allow it as canon because she's the person that authored the original seven books. Mm-hmm. But I will say while accepting it, as can or tolerating it as canon. Yeah, that's a good word. I have huge issues with how it was written, how they addressed it, the lack of character development, the way that the characters don't feel the same as they did. There's no continuity in it for me. Mm-hmm. So personally, I just stop at the seventh book and I do not continue on when I'm doing my rereads. But if we're having an argument, I do consider it as canon. Yes. All right. So um, I'm kind of in the same boat as my broom chicks here. Um, I do believe that it is canon because 
her name is on it. She had a hand in creating it. And I mean, technically that means Fantastic Beasts is canon too, because she wrote the screenplays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we run into that issue where, you know, Fantastic Beasts, you know, people have their issues with it, but I feel mm-hmm. like it feels more united with the original seven series because she was the only hand in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there were editors, but there were editors in Harry Potter, but she was the main hand. Whereas with the cursed child, she wasn't the main hand in it. She kind of like gave the uh, supervision. Like. Yeah. Like she supervised uh, Jack Thorne and uh, John Tiffany writing it like she gave them the idea she gave them the plot but since they were experts in playwriting they kind of took it and wrote it and i think that's why it's so disjointed but she did she's like hey this is the eighth story that's how she promoted it this is the eighth story yeah so it is what's funny is to me it almost feels like some people wrote a script and then turned it into like their professor and their professor made some like additions or reductions. And then that, that was yes. like what we got. I swear, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be funny. That's like legitimately what it felt like to me. Yes. But no, we'll get it there. It definitely, it definitely feels like it. We'll, we'll definitely get into it. Yeah. I think, I think a good way yeah. to sum it up, honestly, for me at least, is, I mean, I do have, like I said, I have problems with how the characters were handled and what a short um, time span we're working with. But more than anything, I think I have a problem with it just not feeling like those characters that we read. Yeah. yeah. So, so I actually... Look at there. There's plenty of examples. <laughs> yep. I wanted to shout out uh, some of our giveaway uh, contest- contestants. Yeah, contestants. Who, who entered um, our giveaway. Cool. We had them as part of the giveaway rules. They had to leave a comment on whether or not they thought the Cursed Child was canon, as we explained before. And some of you got really into these comments. They were great. I loved it. I loved reading them. They were. It really was very great. hard not to respond. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I didn't respond just so I wouldn't get confused because, hello, running a giveaway on Instagram is a lot of work, BT dubs. Yes. Shout out to everyone who does it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And we're trying to, you know, catch up with everybody and make oh, sure. Oh, you know what I want to say about that? Chance. All three of us work full-time jobs and we ran a giveaway. So hit us up on Patreon if you feel like supporting all of our hard work. All right, into the giveaway comments. Jenny with those shameless plugs. Okay, so (laughs) I I pulled some of my favorite comments. Um, I didn't include uh, the user's handles just because I didn't ask, you know, I I don't know if they want their name shouted out on our podcast. But I'm shouting out their words, but their words are ambiguous. So it's okay. If you hear your words and you want us to shout you out, hit us up. Yeah. yeah. If you want us to shout us shout you out, I can't speak today. All right. <laughs> this is why we have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> English. Okay. So uh one of my favorite comments, uh, someone said, I personally like to think of it as pretty good fan fiction with a few interesting fan theories added in. Trolley witch, anyone? Yeah. <sighs> I enjoyed reading it and could have put it down, but I don't think of it as canon as, first of all, it wasn't written by JKR, but also I feel in context, it just ruins a perfect story. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously this couldn't have been possible, but hypothetically speaking, if the other side of the story had been included in the original, 
uh, Goblet of Fire book without us knowing that Scorpius and Albus were there, then I would probably accept it as canon. You know, all the stuff with Cedric, had we seen him messing up or being humiliated for some mysterious reason, then Cursed Child gives us answers that would have been so amazing. Thoughts? I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to unpack stuff here <laughs> or if I want to let it happen as we go with the play. Okay. Let's let it happen when we go as a play, though. I, yeah. Even though I have to disagree in the sense that, like, I feel I have to accept it as canon, I honestly do agree with a lot of what they said. It's... <sighs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. So multiple people have, like, commented that they thought it sounded like fan fiction. Yes. And yeah. that was actually my first thought. When I was reading it, I finished mm-hmm. the play, I read it. And I was like, why do I feel like I read this on Tumblr somewhere? Yeah. Yes. It, even the, like, I, I had the same feeling of, like, holding the book. And I'm just like, did they just publish some random? <laughs> and I'm just, like, holding the book. And I'm like, I don't want <laughs> I will say um, that this comment kind of brings up something that I did want to say before we get into the meat and potatoes. I traditionally have a very harsh view of this book and have not presented it in the best context but there were parts of this book that I absolutely loved um when my brother moved to Texas originally I came out here and it was like the opening weekend or whatever of the cursed child being released and I went to uh Target actually to buy the book and I (laughs) read it on on the plane ride because Target is my favorite place and so I read it on the plane ride back home And I will say that when I first started it, there was nothing better than opening another Harry Potter book and Mm -hmm. it being like, like opening onto platform nine and three quarters because it brings back such a sense of nostalgia. It was like you were coming back home. Yeah. And then very quickly, I read the rest of the book and that feeling left my body. (laughs) But moving on. But we'll get to, we'll get to all the goods and the bads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a positive comment from someone says, I think The Cursed Child should be considered canon. I genuinely love it. The twists and turns it takes through the pages keeps me on edge when I first read it, and I couldn't believe the ending. I also absolutely adore theater and think it's such a beautiful piece. Oh, yes. I, I 100% agree with this, just because I, I, Marianne can agree, because mm-hmm. we both have seen it. And we really wish all of you, including Jenny, could see it because it is such beautiful theater. It is such an amazing production. I cannot even describe it to you. I mean, me and Elizabeth have talked about possibly doing like a special Patreon episode of where we like really can absolutely go into detail without feeling guilty about it. But it's yeah. just such an, like, it's everything I ever wanted. I remember when it, when hearing about Cursed Child, I refused to read it at first. Refused. Why? Because I was like, I'm going to be surprised when I watch it for the very first time, when I walk into the theater, I don't want to know anything about this. This quickly died. I actually <laughs> ended up reading it only because... <laughs> Only because I went to an audition for it, actually. Um, when it was coming to Broadway, they had open calls for The Cursed Child. So in order to prepare for the audition, I was like, well, I'm going to have to crack open the book and read it. Uh, obviously, you know, having my thoughts, and, but I had to put those aside for the theater. But before all of that, before I like actually read it, it I was just so 
so unbelievably happy that Harry Potter was going to be produced on the stage. Like it, these were the two like favorite things in my life, Harry Potter and theater. And it was combined. I remember, not going to lie. I literally, and I probably can, if I went back and looked for it, like I could probably find it. I sent a direct message to the Harry Potter London Instagram account because I was just so, so happy. I was like in London at the time, but it was just in like open rehearsals. Mm -hmm. So you had to, it was like very hard to get those tickets. And I like me and my mom tried like finding every which way to get tickets, but it was not. So I just like sent them a message being like, honestly, thank you so much for just existing. I was just so happy. Like there was a world where there was one more Harry Potter and two, it was on a stage. I was just so excited. And then, you know, I read the play and then I wasn't as excited, but I was kind of excited because, you know, I was going to the auditions and that was like a fun, exciting process. And then I finally bought tickets for when it came out on Broadway and I just, oh my God. Wow. Amazing. It blew my mind. Everyone needs to go see it. I don't care if you hate it. You need to go see it. Like, yeah. You really, you really can't appreciate this or even understand this until you see it. A hundred percent. You don't have a complete opinion until you see it. Mm-hmm. It's really sad to say, and I know because it can be expensive sometimes to go see it, but you just need to go see it. You're like, you just need to go see it. Oh my God. Maybe as part of our Patreon, we can crowdfund for every one of our fans to go see it. Oh my God. Honestly, that would be the dream. That would be, that would be amazing. Am- that would be an amazing giveaway one day. I would love to do that. Like, oh my God. Talk. Hey. Okay. But like, let's get me there first. Let's get, let's get Jenny okay, first yeah. to see. <laughs> <laughs> let's get Jenny first to LeakyCon. How about that? <laughs> let's, yeah, let's get me there first. Cause that's super expensive. Okay. Um, my last comment that I just want to, uh, shout out just because I just love how this person wrote it is Honestly, I'm obsessed with everything Harry Potter. So even if it was something written on a bunch of (laughs) napkins, sewn together and bound by leaves, I'd still read it and take it as part of the series. We're with you, girl. We're with you, girl. (laughs) That was hilarious. Just accept any crumbs that are given to us. I mean, honestly, that's how a lot of us felt after like part seven finished. Part seven. Listen to me. The seventh book came out. We just all like were craving something. So I remember the hysteria of like the cursed child is coming. Yeah. Oh my god, the, they're gonna release the script. Like oh my god, it was like we all ha- were crack addicts. Yes. Like back at it again. Yeah. We were like yes, our Harry Potter fix. <laughs> well, great. There's that analogy. So, <laughs> like I said, I don't have historically very good views on the book play whatever you want to call it the work the work of art but i will say and i don't know what it was reading this the second time around i have softer feelings towards it there are still some things that i i just i the robot charlie witch with the weird hands like i can't get with it but there are things that i'm like okay this isn't as bad as i originally thought but I also forgot a lot of stuff. Like it was almost like I was reading this book for the first time because I, I don't know if I like blocked it out of my mind completely, Yeah, but I will, I want to say this before we start because it has shook me to my very core. This play gave us the genius of Scorpius and the redemption arc of Draco. And to me, those are the two most valuable things 
that this script gave us. I'm going to put a pin in that. Okay. But I, I will say Scorpius, his character is oh my God. genius. If you win our giveaway, you will read my notes. But that child is literally me in play form. I love him. <laughs> Let us continue. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, I guess I have similar feelings too. When I first read the play, I was, I, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. But as someone who, you know, you know, partook in theater for, you know, all of my high school career and a little bit of my college career, I was like, you know what? Scripts always read weird. Yeah. Scripts read weird. I'm just going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it'll look and feel different on stage. And I mean, it totally did. It, 100%. It, whoa. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's like when, when you see it on stage, you almost forget like the plot holes. Yes. You almost <laughs> forgive them. You forgive You're them. You're like, I love this plot. I love this <laughs> yeah, writing. And I was like, like what am I saying? <laughs> yeah. Like everything was like amazing, except I will say when the trolley witch comes out, Thank you. What? That might be my biggest problem with the book. Okay, so I'm just going to talk about this. I love that scene. What? It's really cool. Like the way they did the scene on the stage. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Like like, the whole production of it is really beautiful. Yeah. But the thought of like the trolley witch doing that. I, I was just like, this listen, is, this, I is, like this really is not weird. the Terminator not part seven. This is I, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. There's no I, place for that. Know I your was, audience, know your place. I honestly loved it. I think that's probably like a highlight. It's just so funny. I, I'm so, so close. Crazy. I'm so close to ending this recording right now. Saying goodbye to the broom chicks and goodbye to our friendship because you just said that. Get Relax, out. Get out. Jenny, there's, there's worse things in this script <laughs> than the freaking Charlie Witch, all right? I'm just Let's be trying real. to express my immense distaste for that idea. No way. That's all. No way. You, let us begin. You need to watch begin. the play. Let right. us begin with the part one, act one. Oh. So what I did basically, just so that you guys know, is I literally read the book again after I wrote in it for the giveaway. And we basically have like the whole framework of how the play was written and things are happening chronologically. So we will follow the play in its layout, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we start with part one, act one, year one. One. So I did write... And I know that I touched upon this before, but them opening up on King's Cross is lit because it immediately made me want to read this. I was super excited to be back at Platform 9 and 3 quarters. It picked up right where the epilogue left us, and I could not feel more connected to Harry Potter in that moment. Not only a good connection to the epilogue, but I just like felt, I agree, like it was just like such a good tool for the plot structure. Yes. Um, just because since like this moment at the platform becomes important to setting up the conflict and like that main character, which is yes. Albus. And it always, it gives us a place to come back to. But I also think for me, it was a little bit significant because I did not read or reread any of the Harry Potter books after I finished the seventh book. Mm-hmm. So essentially I read the series through, I finished the seventh book and until the cursed child, I hadn't touched anything Harry Potter. So 
It was exact. Like I literally had read the epilogue. Boom. I was picking up Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, reading it on a plane. Wow. That's I know. Kind of crazy. I know. Yeah. No, it's a I, nice feeling. I didn't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably good for you because I had forgotten so many things, but <laughs> so in, in the beautiful writing of this nostalgic place okay this platform that we have come to love literally like my first like what the f moment comes at harry naming his son albus severus and thinking that that's even remotely appropriate and i'm already mad like literally the nostalgia has died the happiness has gone jenny's upset Oh, wait, can someone remind me? Do we get the name Albus Severus in the epilogue? We do, right? Yes, we yes. definitely do. Okay, so I remember reading the epilogue and already getting pissed. <laughs> it's like you just finished this long, like um, seven book series. You've gone on this like multitude of adventures, okay? And then you get freaking Albus Severus. Oh, I'm 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 not gonna lie. So I, this is a little bit outside of Cursed Child, but it has to do with Cursed Child. When I first read the epilogue, you know, it was, again, at the end of this journey of me reading the books, the seventh book is a whole emotional journey. I was an emotional wreck. My tear marks are still in my book. I go to read the epilogue, and as I finish the epilogue, you know, I got, like, the, the warm tinglys with, like, the all is well part, but then I'm like, why do I feel like she literally, and it's true, she wrote it during book one. Yeah. She wrote the epilogue, and you can tell that it's so disjointed from, like, the way her writing style progressed. And so, hmm. I don't know. I just I just felt like it was very separate. And I get it. It's 18 years I don't later, agree with you. 19 years later. But I just felt like it was very separate. And I guess, like, the naming of Harry's children w- was always something that pissed me off. Especially because of Albus Severus. I'm like, excuse you. Like... There are, oh, it's just, it's first of all, it's problematic. It's one because, first of all, and I wrote in the notes, he had Snape had like a drive through redemption arc. Okay. You're being horrible, being horrible, being horrible. Oh, you're dying. So the last five minutes of your life are going to try and redeem you. No, guess what? You did it. But also, like, okay, I, I understand where people are coming from, and we'll touch upon this in the Snape episode. I get it. I understand why people are like, Snape was brave. He's a great character. I can hear you. I can see you. But you're really going to name your child after someone who literally bullied you for the last seven years of your life and then still didn't even like you? He just gave you some memories? Like, what? Like What? T- to me, it's so absurd that he named his child after someone who was so, like, unhealthily obsessed with his mother yeah like, i'm sorry that's not love that was like borderline like i'm gonna go obsession. into it in our, yeah it was obsession anyways this anger i'm gonna leave it this is not the snape episode i know episode. <laughs> but it, i mean but it has to do with Albus severus because what in what in the world what in the world okay i i have two points one I'm going to start with this one to kind of go away from the snape thing okay but my issue with the names um and it kind of i guess it could also tie in with you know naming a child albus severus because i always looked at lily luna and i assumed or at least this is this is either something i assumed was the reason why they named their kids or if maybe this is just like the superstition in me where it's like you don't name a child 
after a living person otherwise that person is going to die like i think that was just a superstition that like was passed what? down in my in my family i don't know if you guys have ever heard of that no but, because julie's named after two living grandmothers yeah well that's <laughs> That's my mom was named after her mom. <laughs> That's a superstition that I've uh, I've heard in, in my family. So I don't know if it's just in my family that I heard it or if somewhere in the Harry Potter world, someone was like, well, they were naming him after, you know, like the people that sacrificed for him and whatever. He was like in love and they're dead. And I was like, yeah, but Luna is very much alive in this universe. So then I, it begs me to question, why would you choose like albus or severus like i guess albus because harry honestly doesn't matter how much dumbledore manipulated him or not uh, he loved dumbledore that's the point point blank but for severus for snape that does by the to differ there isn't any other male figure like remus 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 Remus, lupin all good names all good names i was already getting to this i was already mad so we get to my second point which is which i highly doubt like i highly doubt because this is the cursed child that we're talking about i highly doubt but i have to bring this up anyways and speak my piece from my mind palace what if this is my fan theory and again i don't think this is a at all a thing but who knows jk what if she always knew that this kid would be slytherin and would be the cursed child and therefore she named him albus severus for this purpose she would probably claim it she would claim that right she would claim that but i don't think that's i don't think this that i don't think she's that crazy that in book one when she wrote the epilogue (laughs) That she knew that that kid was going to go into a crazy spiral. And that's why she gave that that name. But that's why she gave the name to the kid. Because we know JK does this kind of stuff with people's yeah, names. But like, I also think that JK likes Snape as a character. Like, she's always kind of, like, no. defending him and at least trying to be, like, calling him Gray and stuff. So I don't feel like she would have been like, eh, like, her style. Let's name him Severus. Yeah. But that's the thing, though. Like, JK always says that Snape is Gray. And I think yeah. it's like, you know, Albert Severus is supposed to be a gray, gray slash good character, kind of like Snape, I guess. I don't know. I will say that I don't like him. Don't like Snape. We're what? Okay no. Snape. no, I obviously don't like Snape. I don't like Albus Severus. He reads like a spoiled brat. <laughs> He really does. And there's a huge rant. Listen, the lady left me a lot of empty page in one of the scenes. And there is a huge rant in the giveaway book that I will touch upon here for a little bit. But the kid, he reads like a spoiled little brat. And there, there are times where I wanted to physically assault him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mark it down. Mind you, everyone who is listening to this, this is a fictional character. <laughs> not assault, physically assaulting any 14-year-old boys. <laughs> I would also never physically assault anybody and I never have, but whatever. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. But, but so <laughs> we will get back into the book. So yes. pretty much everything we already know. We jump into scene three, Albus, which from here on out, we'll just refer to him as Albus. And if Dumbledore, like the painting or whatever ever comes up, then we'll refer to him as Dumbledore. But Albus starts to walk down the Hogwarts Express with Rose, where we finally meet Scorpius, which, P.S., oh. don't like Rose either. Oh, my God. But we'll God. get there. Mm. We will get there. We will get there when we get there. So, uh, 
like I said before, I didn't remember Scorpius. Now he's my fave. I, I absolutely love Scorpius. Um, I was really lucky enough to watch the original Broadway. Uh, well, the original West End cast, they pretty much just transferred over to Broadway and then, you know, performed on Broadway. And I got the amazing opportunity to watch Anthony Boyle, who originated the role of Scorpius Malfoy. And he's such an amazing actor. Like, if you've ever seen, I know he's in Tolkien um he's in dairy girls he's done a couple of short films he's a, such an amazing actor and really only does dramatic work like at least with tolkien like very i, I don't know if am i saying that right the lord of the rings author yeah okay well it depends on who you're talking to but yes truth i'm tolkien that's a tolkien yes i apologize my it doesn't that's, pronunciation just, that's the problems. other option that you've got Yes. Um, either way, he's an amazing actor. And I actually got to meet him and I complimented him. I was like, you are so funny. Like, I find your humor, like, so amazing. Like, he's done, he did an amazing job as Scorpius. And he actually, he was actually very, like, I don't know, I guess I would say humble. But I, from him, he was like, I really don't think I'm funny. Like, he was just like, I don't find, I don't find myself that to be like my strongest suit. And I guess I can kind of like see where he's coming from because he doesn't normally have those comedic characters. Scorpius is probably his most comedic character, at least from what I've seen. But he just brought out the best in this character. Like, obviously, Scorpius Malfoy, honestly, I'm going to say it, best written character in the play. By Hands far. down. Like, yep. amazing, yes. amazingly written. That I will credit John Tiffany and Jack Thorne and JK for. They did an amazing job there. But then Anthony Boyle just, like, brought it to the next level. Yeah. I literally could not stop laughing whenever he was on stage. It was just, he's su it's such a likable character, and he just really did an amazing job elevating that likability. And that's yeah. the end of my fangirling. Thank you, <laughs> Anthony yeah. Boyle. I think that he gives me a reason to not hate this book <laughs> yeah for sure and i like mean he almost makes it worth it yeah almost like almost. <laughs> but i will say i didn't i didn't see the original cast i saw mm -hmm. you know the whatever cast was in the west end at the mm -hmm. time that i went um but in general scorpius was the highlight of the, play. of the entire play and like the the play is a lot of like the way I would describe the play and the plot, it's like two teenage Harrys <laughs> whining the whole time <laughs> with Ron coming in for zingers and then, you know, Scorpius being an actual good character. Like, that's how I describe it in my head and that's how, like, I saw it. Like, the play is very, like, oh, my God, I'm the cursed child. Oh, my God, my son doesn't love me. Oh, woe is us. And then comes Scorpius. And just a oh. beaming ray of sunshine the best yes i love, love him love that boy we are obsessed i would like to bring up two things one we'll get to this later consider it like pin number four thousand. but what they did to ron <laughs> is a supreme injustice and i'm upset about it and i will not get uh -huh. over it and i will not let it go number two draco called a mediocre character by elizabeth once upon a time gave rise <laughs> to scorpius and i will not let you forget it <laughs> <laughs> we shall <Very> continue <laughs> so um i guess we can continue now 
I think it's important to note that in the sixth and seventh book, it's left unclear if Draco is ever actually a Death Eater. Like, we don't confirm it, but we do confirm it in this play. Because uh, Scorpius saying, defending himself to Rose, who also spoiled Brat and would never be a child of Hermione Jean Granger, but whatever. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So Scorpius says that dad was a Death Eater, mom wasn't. So here in this play, we get some sort of like continuation from that plot, I guess, and some confirmation that he actually was. So they start talking in this little compartment about a rumor that's been going around. And basically they're saying that Scorpius <laughs> no is Lady V's son. Lady V, if you haven't listened to the Voldemort episode, is what I call Vold- Voldemort. Um, so basically they're saying like Draco and Astoria somehow went back in time and produced like Voldemort's heir and it's Scorpius. Um, but it leads us to the best line for me, like in the whole book. And it actually comes from Albus Severus. And it's, uh, he says, it's probably rubbish. I mean, look, he's got a nose. <laughs> and so I, these are the parts of the play that I can enjoy because it's like they're almost poking fun at things that happened like in the books and then in the movie adaptations. Yeah. Yep. But like also that's, you know, that's not professional. Like, come on. But also I love it. So, but you know where I'm coming from. I wonder if like, do they have pictures of Voldemort? How do they know that this, this guy didn't have a nose? I'm sure. I'm it's assuming like that he's in, in like a history, history book. book. Yeah. Written yeah. in history books. People like drew him or have pictures of him. You know, he's like a historical figure, like how we have drawings of like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. They have moving pictures. They Does have that, moving pictures. That's a moving picture of Voldemort out there. Probably. There could be. Isn't that crazy? I mean, there isn't that game. What's the game called? With the catching, like Pokemon Go. Mystery? Oh, um. Wizards Unite? Wizards Unite. Thank you. Wizards Unite. The game that we all play for like a month and a half. (laughs) Yeah, like literally the start of our podcast. Yeah, that game. Uh, There is, there's a picture of Voldemort in that game. (laughs) So. The literal start of our podcast? It's fine. (laughs) That's the one. So, so yeah. So, I mean, while this compartment scene is happening. I am pretty, like, appreciative, I guess. Like, it's nice to see that Albus doesn't just abandon Scorpius after Rose wants to leave the compartment because of the rumors. I'm not even touching it yet because I know that Marianne has a note about it later, but I literally don't like this girl. (laughs) But it reminds me of what happened with Draco and Ron and Harry in the first book. So it's kind of, like, reminiscent of that original sort of, like, Mm -hmm. compartment scene where Draco's like, take your friends wisely, and Harry's like, I'm good, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I can so, definitely yeah. see that. Um, I just, I have so many problems with Rose. I mean, <sighs> where do I begin? I just don't, I, I find it personally just a shame for Rose to be called the child of Hermione. Like, I really don't understand how she grew up to be this way because um, I know... I just, I know like we could argue and say that, you know, Hermione wasn't a perfect person at the age of 11 and she was kind of annoying and probably rude. I had her rude moments as well, but this is like with pride. Like she just has a lot of pride and ego for a legacy that isn't even hers. And where did she learn that behavior? Like where, how was that taught? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I, I just don't, like, I don't get it. Like, the only thing I could say is, like, maybe Ron hyped her up and be like, you're the first child of, like, two Golden Trio members. Oh, my God. Are you serious right now? 
I, I that's the, literally the only explanation that I can give for this really really Th- really really like oh I don't know maybe Hermione was busy with her Ministry of Magic job she's literally the minister I don't know it's like kids that grow up entitled and privileged whether parents are famous or rich or what ever like there's so many other explanations do not come for ronald right now you don't think hermione would have put her in her place and been like shut up no you don't think hermione would have told her own child to like because her in her place because rose probably didn't act that way around her mom it's true I'm just having issues with the fact that you're literally trying to drag Ronald right now and this play already did him so dirty. I'm not trying to drag Ron. I'm trying to understand why Rose is a literal little douche. Like, I can't, I don't understand. Because this play was written (laughs) by other people. Okay. (laughs) But let's, let's let's not we already know this play is written by other people so every character feels a little off but rose is probably this way one because hermione was a douche when she was 11 and the only people who put her in her place were harry and ron she was totally a douche no one liked her she was stuck up but she was sensitive yes i agree with that statement but i also like it's they're just like a different it's like a different way yes. that they both were. Like Hermione oh, yeah. was annoying. It's, yes. Yeah. Rose is just rude. Yeah, she's but rude. Th- that's what I was about to say. So Rose inherited that kind of like, you know, annoying aspect of Hermione that, you know, you outgrow with age. But it was heightened by the fact that her mom's the minister and her family is famous. And so she just grew up in a very privileged way. And she just took it to heart. She was very used to having the cushy life of her family being on top. And I mean, so I guess, she, I don't know. It just doesn't remind me of Hermione. Know. Like, we literally open on Hermione being like, have you seen a toad? A boy named Blavo has lost one. Like, she was so yeah. nice. But children also are think, not their parents. Okay, so then that just rules out your entire argument being like, Hermione was a snob, so, so okay. gross. okay. That it does it doesn't roll out my entire argument because while children are not their parents, they do inherit some aspects of their parents. But what they do with those aspects, that's a child themselves. So I just basically think- Rose just took the worst part of her parents <laughs> and used it in the worst possible way. Yeah, she. Just, I don't know. She became a bad person. Bad people come from good parents. I just think there's a part in the play that makes that supports my belief in this and it still will be my belief after this conversation but at one point like Hermione is talking to Harry and she's like do you think like at one point we just kind of chose like be a good employee or whatever like have a more successful job rather than being a good parent yeah and I know that it was like a dark time and they were kind of having these conversations and these things come out but I don't know like maybe that is what happened like Maybe she wasn't a, like at home as often because she wanted to keep rising in her career. Or she wanted to excel and Ron was home or whatever. And maybe she just didn't have a lot of that parental supervision. So what we're saying is that Ron was the one that parents. No, Ron could be at the joke shop all day. We don't know. Okay, but then I don't, I don't like that explanation because then it puts all the blame on Hermione, on Hermione and Ron who were just trying to provide the best life possible for their family you know like there are plenty i mean of it's not that there's who okay, like, and are i'm are gone all day okay do not mistake me for saying that because we all know how i feel but i'm just yeah. saying like maybe she just didn't have 
somebody, like you're saying, like maybe Hermione didn't see it. Like maybe Rose was too smart to like show that part of herself around her mom. But let's get real. Like you're not going to be that smart when you're younger. Like those traits yeah. would have somehow appeared and you would have been able to nip some of it in the bud. But I, I think that maybe she just didn't have anybody watching her as closely or something like that to correct that behavior. I'm just upset, honestly. I'm just upset about this character. I need, I need more background information. I need to know her entire livelihood. I need to take care of her, give her a little <laughs> tap of the butt and be like, listen, you be nice to people. I don't care who it is. Your mother invented spew. You don't talk like that about other people. I don't care if they're in Slytherin and you don't like Slytherins. No. Did, I'm upset. It's weird to me. Also, so Sorry. I was just about to say, did Marianne inherit my like accent problem? I think I yes, did. Yes. I just did. feel very strongly about this. because It's spreading. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what happened with her. Yeah. But... I, I do questions. know that she is rude, but so are several of the other students that we see, like Polly yeah. Chapman and Craig Back or whatever. All these people are rude AF, and I'm super mad that, like, Harry went through all of this turmoil to have people be acting this way. Yeah. Agreed. Makes me upset. Injustice. But the injustices we face. So I guess we're going to leave that alone because I don't think that we can ever get to an answer there. But never, yeah. We'll move on. Move on. <laughs> so, um, I think it's important to note that from the beginning of the play, we see that Harry calls Albus L, and when Scorpius asks like what he prefers to be called, uh, between Albus or Al, he's like, I, I want to be called Albus. So I feel like it's a very small detail, but already from the beginning, like we're kind of seeing him and Harry like not connecting on some sort of level, and I think that's kind of starting to set the stage a little bit. Yeah, I agree. But I also think it could be, like, the reason that he answers Albus is twofold. One, it could be because he thinks about it and chooses Albus because his father calls him Al. So he's, like, just to spite him, I want to be called something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, but it could also be used, like, what I said, like, as a tool to be, like, hey, this relationship is clearly not jiving. Yeah. I wonder why they, like, made – why the choice wasn't – for the character wasn't the other way around – like, it could be the same plot device, like, just what Jenny said, you know, just trying to go in against what his father is doing, uh, but maybe possibly one where Albus resents the namesake given to him, um, just because it's the one given to him by his dad, um, mm -hmm. and that way it just, like, kind of carries into it, but then I also, like, thinking about that, it, I can also understand why he would want, like, as a plot device, you would choose it this way because then you'd be called Al for like yeah. <laughs> two parts. And it's like Al. It doesn't have the same uh, ring as Albus. It's That's like true. Al. Al. Our, our main character, Al. <laughs> so I'm just laughing because it's like one of my dad's <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> but my also like Al. what I call my boss. <laughs> <laughs> like if he's but, not paying attention and I need to get his attention, I'll be like, hey, Al. So I can't take this seriously. They can just call him Albie. Albie. Oh, Albie. I love Albie. Al Albie. Maybe that's like Albus six year when they all start becoming horn dogs and they're all like dating girls. <laughs> and he, instead of Juan Juan, it's Albie. 
I'm done because you said horn dogs on our podcast. <laughs> oh, oh boy. This is a fun so I'm gonna move on from that whole conversation. But the next scene that we get is Albus getting sorted into Slytherin. Yeah. Okay, okay, first of all, these kids are rude. These are so rude. OMG, children are the worst. And I can say that I have a child. I work with kids. They're the worst. I can say it too. They are the worst. Oh love my you guys. Uh, I love I you. I could all. say it at one time. <laughs> oh, they're just so mean. They're like so mean. Kids what are mean to each other. What happened to the whole Slytherin house that's supporting like getting a Potter and Slytherin? All we're listening is the freaking kids being like, oh, ew. I guess he's not really a Potter. Like we don't listen to any other like good things what the also is the rest of the potter house like, what also makes me upset right is like now snape must be like this beloved historical figure in all of like these textbooks that they've learned about when like the battle of hogwarts went down and i'm like <laughs> shouldn't slytherin have gotten like a huge like reputation bump from that like yeah he did the most dangerous work like i'm not gonna Literally. discredit him for that like he did some crazy stuff but Jenny, why are we hating on Slytherin? Because at the same time that Snape was doing that heroic stuff, we had Voldemort. Okay, but like obviously the dude was crazy. <laughs> but Voldemort. <sighs> I'm just mad Jeez. that these children think that I'm they know s- these things and I can't. <laughs> it's yeah, I know. so bad. I'm I- also just mad because Draco was a Slytherin and he's not all bad. <laughs> Whatever. But not gonna lie, I always saw Alvis as a Slytherin. Like always Why? from the epilogue. I don't know. I mean From the epilogue? Since the epilogue, I had a feeling he was gonna be in Slytherin. Well, because he asked his dad so nervously, of course. I just like I had a I had a gut feeling and then I, you know, every time I would see on Tumblr and like different people were doing fan edits on on things like, oh, this is Alvis, this is their you know, drawing, whatever the case may be, I always pictured him in Slytherin. Like, every time I, I pictured Albus, I pictured him in Slytherin. I don't know. I'm just hella confused because he's like, Dad, what if I'm in Slytherin? And Harry's like, ooh, Sorting Head tried to do that to me too. Here's my tricks. Like, if you really didn't want to be in Slytherin, then why didn't you just be like, no, Sorting Head, I want to be in yeah, Gryffindor. I, I don't well, know why. Like, I really don't know why they included that in the script and then like completely ignore that Albus had that choice and then just decided not to use it. I Because somebody I, wrote this with the intention of throwing <laughs> it in the trash, but instead it got published. <laughs> Listen, the published pile and the trash pile were right next to each other. <laughs> they just didn't realize that they put it in the wrong pile. It's fine. Oh boy. But, but, no, but for real, I don't, I, maybe there was a part of Albus that was okay being in Slytherin because his dad was okay with him being in Slytherin. And it wasn't until the incessant bullying started happening that then that's when he was like actually finding a problem with being a Potter in Slytherin. You get what I'm saying? I don't think he had an issue. I disagree. I think he had an issue from the get-go. First of all, I think this kid was born having an issue. Okay. <laughs> Because of his name. Because of his name. Well, first of all, if my dad names me Albus Severus, then we would have had a problem from the get-go, too. Like, as soon as I could speak and understand words, I would have been like, emancipate me and change my name. (laughs) Jenny's eyes. (laughs) Can you see that? Yes, you had massive crazy eyes. I did, because I'm so obsessed. 
<laughs> Listen, I'm just not okay with the name. I'm not going to end there, but we'll move on to my next point. Here's what happens after getting sorted, okay? We cut to a scene of the first flying lesson. Albus does not do well. And then, boom, it's the end of the first year at Hogwarts, and we move into second year. What? Okay, so it totally doesn't make sense in the script because it seems very, like, disjointed and cut up. But in the play production, they do this very seamlessly, yeah, beautiful effect that shows, like, the passage of time. And you're just like, yes, let's get on this journey. Months have passed. Of course, months have passed. It makes we so much sense. It. Years yes. have passed. We saw honestly months pass. It <laughs> honestly sounds like you guys are part of like a cult, and you have been <laughs> brainwashed. <laughs> and that's like what has come out of that moment in time. You're like, no, but it it makes so much sense. But I will, I will, as a person who has participated in the theater, I will say that scripts do read like dry they're uh, just dry dry. i was gonna say a different word but i was like wait a family (laughs) podcast elizabeth is gonna yell at me but i will say that scripts do not read well and then it is the art of talent and years of hard work or whatever and production that get you like so many deals but still i mean i just it makes sense on the stage but i feel like if you were going to publish this and release it for people to read knowing that you're not catering to a theater audience then we should have done a better job well then, mm-hmm. does it say that it's a rehearsal script yeah it says that it's the script and like but what i'm saying i remember when it was published like they literally said like this would not be the final script yeah. used in the show because there's still some editing going on but this is the script that we've been rehearsing with yeah but like why release that i don't understand but also they want you're not catering you're not catering to a theater audience so if somebody goes to target and picks up that book like i did i mean yes i was part of theater but i i wouldn't have told you what the difference was between a rehearsal script and like the final product so i'm reading those words and they mean absolutely nothing to me if i'm not part of that world and you know that you're not catering to people who partake in that or go and see these things. The people that are going to see this play are the majority people that enjoy Harry Potter and want to see the extension of that world. Not people that were like, what play are we going to go see tonight? Oh, look, this looks cool. It's about a wizard. So I feel like they should have been smarter in the way that they did this. I think it, the reason why they released it, it's that not everybody gets the chance to go and be able to see the play. So it was just one of those tactics to say, hey, you can't afford to go fly to New York or San Francisco or London or Australia, wherever it is. So here's the story. And even though it's not the same, it's, I think it was just more of like it, it's getting out there to the public. I understand to those people that, that couldn't, don't have that privilege. I understand that because I'm one of those people that doesn't have that privilege. But you could have elevated my experiencing my experience by like writing it a little bit differently. I think I think honestly they wanted like the lowest amount of effort in yeah. order to publish it quickly in time yeah. Yeah. for it to come out. So like they would have had to have a whole other editing team to add in more descriptions for people who aren't familiar with scripts that would have taken more time. It would have had to jump through a lot of hoops mm-hmm. and then it might have not have released in time to come out before the rehearsal started, you know, being ticketed at the West End. I mean, I understand that, but looking back <laughs> at all of the problems that have arisen, like there are so many people that really just hate this play. Yeah. I think it would have been smarter for them to take the time and hire the people. 
uh, normally just to clarify in the real com like broadway community theater community what happens is that after um a, a new play new musical whatever after it's produced the script is then made a fine like they make a final copy of the script um and including in that final copy they will include stage directions for those of you who do not know what stage directions are they're normally either the words that are within parentheses or they're the words in italicized like format inside the rehearsal the actual scripts um and in those um published um formats of the script they'll include as much detail as possible about the original production so i'm going to use an example that i uh, that i use all the time with my classes and explaining stage directions uh there's this musical called oklahoma if you look at the first page of oklahoma the musical the stage directions is like almost the entire first page because they're just literally describing to you how the set looked like um, what time of day it is at the setting the character how what they feel like because normally what happens in the stage directions is they include all those details from the original production um for uh, for people like us that you know if we are producing the play or musical again after a very like long extended time uh, i normally tell my kids that it's really just suggestions because again what happens in the stage directions is just what happened in the original production so it's just kind of to give the reader a little bit more ambiance and an idea to kind of understand and again it's normally published the script is normally published after the play yeah. and the musical is long closed why because there's always a preview process which is where they're you know opening the show to audiences for the very first time before even critics actually review the piece then they actually have an opening night then that's when they formally start opening the show have you know their entire run close the show whatever the case may be once they start releasing the license to other companies to be able to produce this play or musical whatever then that script is actually like released to either like public or you would need a private entity to like rent the script or whatever the case may be so the reason why i say all of this is i think the reason why we don't have that luxury with harry potter is honestly for the money like yeah one it's like yes we they did want to give this to the massive public so people could enjoy it if they couldn't have the privilege to go see the show but think about how much that would hurt the show if they were to actually wait a few months into after opening the show on west end for the very first time that they would actually finalize the script with stage directions all the details that like happen on the stage vividly explaining it to you so as the reader you can picture it in your mind with a little bit more detail than just the dryness of the rehearsal script think about how that could possibly limit the amount of tickets that they could sell i mean if i could just pick up the script and read exactly what i'm picturing on the stage maybe that's gonna help me as a reader appreciate the story a little more uh, the story a little more and maybe I'm going to want to save myself a couple bucks and not see it on the stage. Not to say that everyone is like that. And I think most Harry Potter friends are probably not like that. If they have the opportunity to go see it, they're going to go see it. But as a marketing team, 
they probably had that concern. Yeah. It, so it built up hype to sell out tickets every night. Yes. For when the the play finally opened. Um. Yeah. There's 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 a lot to it. So since it was the rehearsal script, we were left really dry. Yeah. We only we got the plot. But we didn't get the details. No. And that's what sells it to you. Because that's why we, me and Elizabeth sound like we're cult members right now. Yep. Because we both start off saying we hate this script. We hate the script. And now we're saying, no, you got to go see the play. And what was the difference? The details. Like. The details. The details. Man. It's the way that it was, you know. Uh, what's the word executed yeah that really makes you sell it but you can't really tell that unless you see it and imagine if they were to write out the details all those details in the book well one it'd be thicker way thicker to explain all those amazing effects oh like, yeah oh crazy insane so I think that's just the reason why does it hurt them I agree. What like what Jenny said is true. Does it hurt them in a way? Because there's literally so many video essays out there of just people ranting on this book. How yeah. there's this one particular guy that I will get to that scene in a second that I particularly don't love, and he doesn't like it as well. He thinks that's probably where like Cursed Child went down for him. He wrote this whole video essay of why he didn't like Cursed Child, and then he wrote another video essay. Um, these are all YouTube's by the way, YouTube videos. He had another youtube video of how he would write the cursed child and then from there this company produced that play whoa of his production whoa, like what his, yeah yeah it's a huge cool story i'll see if i can link it later okay in, uh the social medias well but, now that we've gone on a very sufficient rant sufficient wow rant, very sufficient welcome, rant. it was a very good rant i <laughs> yeah. think it was a very good one uh yes. but now we're gonna move into year two year two uh, year two it's pretty quick yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two seconds. So year two, we see that Albus is uncomfortable being with Harry at platform nine and three quarters. And he kind of rushes to get away from his father and to get onto the train. Yeah. This is also when we find out that Harry doesn't like Scorpius. <laughs> and I'm like, have you met this kid? This kid is amazing. Like what? Like, why yeah. don't you like Scorpius? It's, it's because he's a Malfoy. But then that's <laughs> which is so dumb. It's so dumb that it's, I can't even touch so it. I'm dumb. not touching he's, that one. He's nothing like a typical Slytherin. So it's just like, I don't know. So then Draco shows up in oh his infinite hotness because Tom Felton. <laughs> and let's just take a moment <laughs> to revel not in the beauty that is Tom Felton. No. Let us worship Tom Felton. Um, what? <laughs> he is so beautiful. What a man. So uh, Draco shows up. <laughs> And asks Harry to release a statement about the Time Turners being destroyed at the Department of Mysteries. Uh, but I don't remember the original one being destroyed at the Department of Mysteries. Well, maybe they didn't officially say it, but Hermione must have returned it by the end of her third year. I mean, she and never used to... it anymore. Yeah, but did it get destroyed? Yeah, it had to, it had to have been there. Like, where else would it be? What do you mean? They, she returned it at the end of her third year. Yeah, so like exactly. So I'm confused as to why it's being like brought up as part of the Department of Mysteries thing, because the school doesn't get to keep the the time turner. Oh yeah, I guess let me clarify what I'm saying. Don't you think that if something like that would have been damaged, like we would have 
I don't know, heard about it, read about it, what, wrote the about it. The original Time Turner or all the Time Turners? Any of them, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's weird how we no, like there's... time jump back into these very like specific, you know, p- plot points that happen in like the original seven books. Okay. But obviously none of that was discussed. I think that's just what bothers me. Uh, the rumors. It's the rumors. Like these random, just like very specific rumors. But wait, no, I think I remember in Order of the Phoenix, there is specifically a part where, like, they crash into something and there's a comment that, you know, the t- like the time turners, like the sand in the time turners was, like, falling out or whatever. Yeah. I, and it was implied. Oh, excuse you. All... Hashtag allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> alleged. I know. Hashtag alleged. <laughs> I did not fact check this, but it's in, in memory that like it was somewhere written in the book that like the sand of the time turners yeah it's ringing about I, I think it wasn't officially stated it might have not been like all the time turners were you know broken and gotten rid of but i think it was implied like if we figure one time turner is in there it's probably like all of them yeah yeah I'm just more concerned about, like, how Harry is not considering the rumors a little bit more seriously. (laughs) Like, I really just don't understand. Like, if these rumors weren't a thing before, the first time Voldemort was gone, and now they are a thing, wouldn't you think it's because something strange was going on? Like, isn't something strange up if all of a sudden these rumors after, like, so many years are coming up again? Yeah. I just I mean, I'm not going to fight you on that one, yes. And he also he also picks and chooses his rumors, but you know, yeah, I'm going to wait on that. I'll get to that later. <laughs> whatever. Oh my god. is so over this. So, uh Draco also reveals that a story is not feeling well, which oh, we'll no. come back to to another point that we have later. Um but we really have very little like going on in the scenes. Yeah, uh, except Rose being rude again. <laughs> again. <laughs> Why? But, yeah. I don't understand. Not Hermione's child. Whatever. Okay. So, uh she gets placed on the Quidditch team. Go her, I guess. <laughs> and then boom, like we arrive at the platform again and it's year 3. Woo! Like what? Well, again, it's a beautiful scene change. Beautiful scene. I know. I mean, reading it, like you could tell that something is obviously going on because it's like, oh, like time speeds up, and then it does this, and it, like, whatever. It time, it talks about time in a very specific way. Yeah. But still, I mean, like, whoa, like we're already at year three, which is again, like I'm saying these things because it ties into the fact that, like, how are we supposed to develop any sort of like character, anything with this short amount of time? Yeah. But you know, whatever, whatever is cool. I mean, that's what happens when they try to pack in as many years as possible. That's what bothered me, honestly. Play. Like, just have well, it happen in year two. one, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, just have it happen over year one. Like, why did we have to develop all the... Whatever. So, year three. Mm-hmm. We open on Harry giving Albus his permission slip for Hogsmeade, which made me tear up a little bit. What's up? Rip to the homie, Sirius Black. We see them get into, like, a tiff or whatever. Oh, and... Yeah. Albus doesn't want to go to Hogsmeade because he's spoiled and entitled and he's a brat, which leads to Harry like questioning him about what's going on, which basically leads to Albus being entitled and crummy. And he like burns up the permission slip, which oh you better not be doing magic outside of school, little boy. You know, but what? whatever. <laughs> you know what, though? I do like this moment. Oh, just- my God. I, I know it's weird. <laughs> I don't like Albus in this moment. Like, uh-huh. Doing that to Harry, it's super, like, 
sad, but I kind of do like the, how it mirrors how both of them wouldn't end up being officially allowed to go to Hogsmeade. Obviously, oh yeah, Harry breaks that rule um, and goes anyways. But like they both, they're they're both essentially they're not allowed that privilege because they don't have their signed permission slips. Yeah. So I, I, just, I just kind of like that. Yeah. That's I just it just like dawned on me that you know I feel like Harry and Albus's relationship is so strained because I feel like almost Harry was overcompensating yeah for not having a a stable father figure in his life and was just like overhyping Hogwarts overhyping his experience overhyping that these will be like the most life changing 7 years of his life Plus, on top of that, the actual stories of what happened to Harry and his friends, which were incredible and amazing and life-changing, you know, like, I feel like Albus always felt like he could never reach that, and he resented his father for that purpose, and it's just, you know, it sucks for Harry because he was just trying his best, you know, but yeah, he just set up expectations unknowingly that Albus can never live up to. Yeah. Also with his names as well, setting up expectations yeah. <laughs> that yeah. he could possibly never live up to. So that's my spiel. Well, okay. So him like crumbling up this paper, whatever, lighting it on fire with illegal magic, it leads to them having like their little fight. And Albus says, and I quote, so what would you like me to do? Magic myself popular? Conjure myself into a new house? Transfigure myself into a better student? Just ha- just cast a spell, Dad, and change me into what you want me to be, okay? It'll work better for the both of us. Gotta go. Train to catch. Friend to find. Listen. <laughs> that is sassy Harry. Sassy in a child. Harry. But it's like, I never wanted to hit sassy Harry. Oh. No, <laughs> like I Like, I want to physically assault this child. I'm sorry. Order the Phoenix, part of Half-Blood Prince Harry, I wanted to punch in the face. <laughs> I, I did not. Say. I didn't want to punch did. him. I laughed at him. I thought he was funny sometimes. Other times, I was like, dude, get it together. No. But it didn't make me as angry as this little mm. cockroach does. Oh. Nah, he was angsty. Harry had he his He was so angsty. Well, I feel like all of the angst that Harry had multiplied times 10 and came forth into his son. <laughs> so, <laughs> I also want to point this out. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just skipped James and went straight into Albus. But I would also like to point out that it just, to me, like, it just almost seems like the writers are telling us, like, you just have to accept that these people have a problem. Yeah. yeah. And they don't really give us, like, like what happened to his first 11 years of life? Like, what did Harry do to this poor kid that was so bad that he just hates him out of nowhere? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, but? if we're, we're going to bring, uh, bringing up again the Rose argument, like, what if it, it was a same I guess. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is going to relate to an, a later point of mine where it's, like, in the scene where – Hermione was like, oh, we chose our career over, you know, our our being there for our kids or whatever the case may be, whatever the exact verbiage was. It could be a very similar case, but between like Harry and his kids and maybe. um, Well, not his kids, just just the kid, because James seems to be fine. James is. I mean, he's like he's annoying. He's like Lily a little mini James, but James is James. James is James. Yeah. <laughs> Lily had um, Ginny. Also, can you just imagine that this kid 
you are the middle child and then the older child has James and then your younger sister is Lily. Those are literally the two names of Harry's parents. And you are the only one who doesn't have a Harry, like Harry's parents name. Yeah. I feel like that's such a like, I don't know. Or like a family name at all. At, at all. You know what would have been a great family name? Serious. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm getting emails from work. Fun. Um, but you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That I must understand. make you the odd man out because now, like, you know that Lily and James, they are Harry Potter's I mean, parents. Yes. But, like, also, them. it's not like he got dealt like a bad. I mean, like, you have Albus Dumbledore's name. Like, that's a big deal. So yeah, it's not before, like they named him like John. But Albus but is know. not Albus is not his grandpa. I his know. Grandma. I I know. I know. But I'm just saying. Like again, I understand what you're saying, but he didn't get dealt like a crap hand either. No, no. I just think he Well, did he? Are you sure about that? Well, he super did with the names, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no. Saying. The names the names are crappy. But again, I think it's just a, a thing of he had way too many expectations to live up to and he was just a kid who internalized that struggle mm-hmm. where like since james is like james his grandfather he kind of didn't care kind of just rolled off of him i think like lily is still like a little too young to have it really like affect her and to have that gravity of my dad is harry potter like hit her mm-hmm. where albus is at that age where he knows his dad is the harry potter it's like, bro, that's a lot to live up to. And, like, apparently James is doing great in school or fine in school. Mm-hmm. So now he has that pressure. It's almost like a, a Harry-Ron mashup feeling yes. scenario yeah. for Albus. You I was just that? about to say, like, the way that you're explaining it reminds me a lot of Ron. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he – and you know how Ron had the expectation of having to live up to his siblings? Albus had the expectation of having to live up to his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. I mean, it is. I just don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So as I was like writing in our Google Doc, our notes, I I did notice that Jenny skipped over this scene. And let let me tell you about this scene. It's act one, scene five, obviously part one. This is actually the scene that I hate the most. Oh, I'm not even going to joke. This is to me, the oddest scene in the world. Um, I cannot remember the YouTuber's name, but this is a scene that he didn't like as well. He, he like just had so many confusions with it. Um, but I just have, I could probably surmise into two specific issues with it. And we've already kind of talked about these possible issues before but we'll get to it so what's going on in act one scene five first i feel that um in this scene this is the scene for those of you who don't know is when hermione comes to harry's office he is now the head of magical law enforcement um and she's like basically you know do your paperwork i just first <laughs> i feel i feel as if harry is still the same as when he was like 17 years old He's like debating with Hermione that he doesn't need to read through this paperwork because he's hearing everything out in the field. And yes, this is good because it's a very hairy thing to do. And I'm proud of that, you know, because we're not going to get a lot of um, of vibes from these characters. Like it's not going to really 
consistent theme throughout the Cursed Child is that some of these characters don't really feel like these characters because the people who wrote them were not J.K. Rowling. So it is nice to kind of see that because that would be a very hairy thing to do. However, this dude is also an adult. Like, you're the freaking head of magical law enforcement. Like, you need to get it together. Just do your freaking paperwork. Like, you shouldn't have to have another person telling you that you need to get it done. It's just, like, the work ethic, man. And then on top of that, because I've already mentioned this pin before, I am unpinning it, that he, his direct quote says, it was me who heard the rumors about the time turner and me who acted upon it, and yet you ignored the, the Voldemort child rumor. Like, what? So this is carelessness, and it's not continuity, like, non-continuity. Like, why, why is Harry paying attention to some rumors and, you know, doing the work on those and being a, a very sleuthy detective? And then the other one, he's just like, eh, it's probably fake. Like, what? Okay, whatever. So that's my first issue with this scene. My second issue is now we've got Hermione, who is kind of... I, uh, oh, boy. I, 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 mm, <laughs> okay, I don't really like the dialogue in this scene, specifically, especially with Hermione. Um, even like an adult version of her, it's almost like they did the research on, on Hermione. Like JK gave Jack Thorne and John Tiffany, the, these are the characteristics of Hermione. Like here's a quick Tinder profile on what she <laughs> likes and what she dislikes and how she acts, but they got her and they kind of like got her essence, but they failed on the execution of her dialogue, like how she would actually approach things and say things. I don't know. I think I really just feel like that's just me. And I just don't, I feel like the scene is basically useless. Like, besides the whole introducing of the Time Turner plot, what does this scene give us? What does it give us? They're literally, they're like, oh, we're just going to eat tacky and do your paperwork, Harry. Like, <laughs> this scene only accomplishes, one, introducing the Time Turner, that Harry needs to get his crap together, and that, like, Hermione is just so lax all of a sudden. Like, she's not, I feel like even if she was an adult, Hermione would have still been like, hey, especially if Harry's not getting his caca together, she'd be like, hey, Harry, get your caca together. You know better. You're an adult. Get your paperwork done. Like, are you, are you freaking kidding me? Did she not act like that for the first seven books? Like, I just don't understand. Like, just because you've known this kid forever and just because you're an adult doesn't mean you just like relax like that. Especially when you just found a new time turner. And you're just, mm. the only thing that makes me redeem this scene, the only thing, are the actors Noma Dumaswani and Jamie Parker. They were, um, one, the original West End and Broadway original cast. So they originated the roles of Hermione Granger, Weasley, Mr. Ministry of Magic, uh, <laughs> and Jamie Parker originated the role of Harry. Uh, and they were literally brilliantly cast. Like, they look like Hermione. They act like her, uh, Hermione and Harry, obviously, not just both of them, Hermione. They, they act and look like Hermione and Harry. It just, it works so well. It was so perfectly casted. And they made these subpar scenes just, like, magic. But I hate this scene. And that is all. 
Whoa. Thank you. The only thing I got from this scene, besides like, whoa, Hermione's Minister of Magic. Whoa, Harry's head of the Department of Law and yeah. whatever. Besides that, I was just like, they named their child Hugo? <laughs> but even then, didn't we get that information in the epilogue? Yeah. I know, but then I was like, I forgot it. And so when I read it, I was like, Hugo, do these people need like a lesson? I don't understand. This Sorry scene- if anyone who listens to us is named <laughs> Hugo. Sorry. This scene- I'm sure it fits. I'm sure it fits. If your name is Hugo, I'm sure it fits with like your name, but I feel like Hugo is like mismatched with like the last name. Like I feel like names should flow together. And if they don't naturally flow, then they don't like belong. I'm really sorry if your name is Hugo and your last name doesn't flow with your first name. (laughs) Our apologies. I'm sure it does does flow with their last name. And that's why we accept their Hugo. We like their Hugo. We just don't like this Hugo. I'm going to move on now. (laughs) But this scene is just useless, okay? It could have been written. Like, this quote-unquote valuable information could have been written into another scene and we didn't need this scene anyways moving on whoa okay so we're moving on into three pins <laughs> this is gonna be oh god this is gonna be a lot i literally i wrote these like i don't know two weeks ago so i'm not quite sure what the pins are but they are <laughs> clearly labeled pins one two and three so where's the third oh, at the bottom whoa, there's a damn. very long rant that is about to occur and I'm honestly, excited. we're all going to go on this ride together because I don't know what I wrote. So, <laughs> the night before the Hogwarts Express leaves for another year, uh, my least favorite character, Amos Diggory, Amos, whatever you want to call him, comes to Harry's house. Oh. I do not like this man. I'll say it again for the people in the back. I don't <laughs> like him she at all. Him. I feel for him. Diggory. I am saddened by the passing of his son. No one should ever have to go through that. No one. With that being said, I do not like this man. (laughs) So we can gather from the scene that they're giving us that he's been trying to meet with Harry for like a long time. And Harry is like swerving him left and right. So I understand that Harry is busy now, but it just doesn't seem like a Harry thing to do. To, like, go out of his way to, like, not see Amos. Amos. What do we call him? What's his Amos. name? Amos. Amos. Okay, Amos. Sorry, I'm reading it in Spanish. <laughs> Amos. So, <laughs> so I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a very Harry Potter thing to do. I'm going to cut, I guess, to the end. Spoiler alert. At the end of the book, Harry literally takes his child to Cedric's grave. And he's like, hey, like, I try and come here sometimes because I feel so bad. You're going to tell me that if this dude's father was trying to meet with him for several months, that he was just going to be like, yep, swerve. Like, come on. Anyway, (laughs) this leads me to pin number one. I do not think that these characters feel like the old characters. I will say it time. And again, this is not the Harry Potter that I know. And I'm not Uh, having it. I do not know this man. You know, there are a lot <laughs> I do of people out in the interwebs Ooh. that try to defend the cursed child and is like, you're trying to compare a 17-year-old to the 40-year-old. Mm. Okay. In a way, I get it. Me too. 17-year-old me is already very different from 26-year-old me. Yes. But, but like, not I, that fe- different. I feel like I still have the same sort of 
essence yeah. about yeah. me. Like, yep. I feel like all of Harry's big life-changing moments that would have changed his essence had already happened yeah. by the time he turned 18. So, But I- also, also, in a couple of months or however long it takes or whatever to get to the end of the book, whatever that time span is, Harry is going to take Albus to Cedric's grave. You're going to tell me that the person at 40 year old, at 40 years, Jesus Lord, I can't talk. (laughs) You're going to tell me that the 40 year old man who's taking his son to go to that grave isn't going to make time to see that man's like dad. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems very out of character for Harry to play that like avoidance game because that wasn't him even when he was younger. No. That, and so, that's what I'm saying. And that would present the same argument that I just mentioned for scene five. Like, if they're going to give that argument of saying, well, 17-year-old me is not the same as 40-year-old me. Okay, then well, skip then, to the end of the book. Yeah. I'm just, um, I can't. <laughs> so that, so we know that Amos is now, in his words, an old and dying man. And it is revealed that he wants to bring Cedric back by going back in time to change the events of that night. Which bring me to pin number two. I do not like time travel stories. (laughs) Like at all. Like, like at all, at all. I stopped watching The Flash, hashtag multifandom, because there was so much time travel. And I just couldn't. I could not physically handle it. I have a lot of questions. There's no rules. Because we can't do it. So there's a lot left into interpretation. I just, I'm not a fan of that storyline, which is, I think, why I have such a problem with The Cursed Child, because it's all time travel. But also, like, like, why does this sound like a good idea to anybody? I don't care how old and dying you are. I don't care how desperate you are. Like, like it's just, it just doesn't sound like a good idea. I wouldn't want to go back in time. Like, you're trying to mess things up for, like, the rest of, like, I'm not even. I just don't like it. I mean, so okay. In Amos's defense, if I, I lost my child, I, I would do anything possible. I don't care if it wrecks any everyone else's lives to get my child back. That just sounds horrible. I'm not gonna lie to you. It does, sound but horrible. I also can't pretend wanna, to know like what you're saying this. because I don't have a child. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I can't pretend to know what you're talking about. Maybe I'll reevaluate if I do have a child. But as of right now, like. I, I don't crazy. believe no it's not that you sound crazy like I understand that need but I also don't know that when push came to shove that you would wreck the lives of thousands of other people to make yourself that much more happy or to fix something for yourself like I don't know like well, honestly we don't know because time travel is not real which is problematic yeah. for so, this storyline so maybe I'm thinking of like the the mind of a parent maybe Amos wasn't doing it to make himself happier he was just he was doing it to give Cedric another chance of life. I understand that. But also, I mean, I guess we kind of discover that Amos really isn't doing any of this. Well, yeah, yeah no, he isn't. Yeah. So but... I guess that's like kind of weird too. But <laughs> just like, I, I just, I, what I want you to take away from this is I don't like time travel and I don't like Amos. I would have honestly, I'm not going to say I've, I would have been okay with having time travel as part of this plot because I, that would be a lie. I would have not wanted time travel in part of this plot. I just have a problem with the fact that I don't care if there's modern magic and magic changes. If you're going to say that time travel means that you can travel in the past, but 
those events were already set in place as we see in book three, movie three, that those events were in set in place because, you know, you got to the future where you're at. Yeah. You get to the future where you're at. Like it was always meant to be. Then they completely throw that theory, that time travel theory in this book, in this exactly, yeah. which is why That's I don't so like these storylines because they're so problematic because yeah. I'm confused as to why. And I, I think I understand what you're talking about with like book three, movie three, like why was Harry, sorry, Hermione throwing a pebble at herself? That time travel hadn't happened yet, but technically it did because time travel, it just rubs me the but wrong that, way. But that way it was interesting because then everything was already set. So it was exactly because we were discovering exactly. it. Like, wow. But this is not how it was here. Here, exactly. it, you could mess it all up. And you just, you understand what I am saying. And for that, I thank you. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's mm, no. It's and, and I, and again, this goes back to my earlier point that I really do think that in a way money had to deal with putting this story together because yes, people would, uh, true Harry Potter fans, no matter the eighth story would have gone and seen the story just because it's the eighth story. But at the same time, you're going to, especially for those maybe le- like less Harry Potter fans that didn't read the books as avidly or just like religiously saw the movies, whatever the case may be, they're going to have that nostalgic factor. If you bring back some of these characters and, you know, these moments that we yeah. already kind of recognize, um, it sucks, but that might've also influenced the choices of plot for this particular script. I guess like, I actually, in general, I don't mind time travel stories. I Me actually, neither. I liked The Flash. I Doctor Doctor Who was literally all time travel besides space travel. Like I love Doctor Who. I yeah, don't mind I it mean, honestly. You know the 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 romance movie, A uh, Time Traveler's Wife, is yeah. one of my favorites. There's so many time traveler <laughs> things. It's so great. But like my thing with time travel is. Pick a theory. Yes. And stick with it. Yes. So if the theory is going to be time is meant to be, so no matter what you do in the past, you're stuck. This is how everything is going to end up. Then that's a theory. If the theory is you go back in time and you touch a pebble and everything changes, then that's a theory. You Harry can't have Potter both. decided to have both. So I, I ain't a fan. Is it, is it both because... Like the only way I can see them like wiggle their way out of this is like different magic. No, no, it's because I I think it's almost like a a, a distance or, or like a time distance type of thing. Like Hermione only went back three hours. Mm-hmm. Here they're going back several Still years. Still problematic because they mention in this book that the law states that you can't go back in time more than an hour without causing significant damage. Yet we have a whole book where Hermione goes back in time with Harry for three hours. And yes, some things change. Like Buckbeak isn't executed. Sirius gets to live another day. But you're going to tell me that literally nothing else was affected by them going in time, back in time for three hours? Mm-hmm. The law states an hour. So what the heck? Why wasn't the law changed after we know what Harry and Hermione did? Well, technically because they broke the law. So maybe that's why they didn't fix the law. Uh, well, guess who makes laws now? Oh, that's right. Harry Potter. 
And maybe that's why we had the stupid scene five that they were so lax about. They're like, you know, remember maybe. that time? I just, I can't, I can't. Time turner long. And now there's a time turner out there, brand new. Out there. That's why they're eating toffee. Oh my goodness. All chill, being like, do your paperwork. Like yeah. nothing is going on. So, so Harry lies to Amos. <laughs> so many rants in just part one. <laughs> so Harry lies to Amos and he's like, nah, dude, we haven't found any time turners. Uh, but we also meet Delphi during this scene. Yes. And oh. she's, <laughs> Delphi is being called to leave by Amos, and she tells Albus to come and visit them at Upper Flagley at St. Oswald's home for old witches and wizards. <laughs> I can't even begin to describe how creepy that is. Like, why does that sound like an okay thing for a 14-year-old kid to be like, yeah, for sure, I'll be there? What? Why is this strange lady, first of all, this stranger came into your home and was just like what like rummaging about the place like she wasn't even with amos she just pops up on the stairs like hey what's up bro you listening to our conversation and then she's like you seem like a cool kid why don't you come and visit us like what i was like six years older than this kid like what i was just i was completely um flabbergasted how old is delphi she's like in her 20s okay i was about to say because you said 14 i'm like she's not that young no, no, no. Albus no. is 14. Albus is oh, 14. Yeah. She's in her 20s. Like, why is this person, why is this stranger in her 20s inviting, like, a 14-year-old child to come and visit them at an old home? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, that's totally true. That is uh, major red flags. Yeah. And why is Albus like, you know what I want to do? Well, I guess because he thinks that she's, like, hot or whatever. Yeah, I was Which I guess, whatever. He's, like, a 14-year-old boy. But I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, what? 14-year-old boys do not think are dumb. heads. <laughs> Oh, but they do. So anyways, now we have three <laughs> very important things that happen back to back. Welcome to our family podcast. So we have three things that happen back to back. The first, we now get the scene where Harry tries to give Albus the blanket that Lily had wrapped him in as a baby. And uh, Such an if you odd get, thing, by the way, such an odd thing. Oh, I thought that was really sweet. I think it was really sweet too, but also, like, here's a ratty old blanket. Why do you think a fourteen-year-old boy wants a blanket from no. when you were okay? A well, baby? first of all, I love blankets, so I love blankets. He likes blankets love, too. But this is a fourteen-year-old boy. We're talking. Maybe about. he likes blankets. Why are you judging? Clearly, he doesn't like blankets. Well, no, he doesn't, he doesn't like, like Harry. his dad. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But from personal experience, my mom gave me a blanket that my grandmother had made when I was like a teenager. And I was you like, oh, my you, grandmother. But you're not a 14-year-old boy. Okay, first of all, let's stop putting stuff on 14-year-old boys. They can like blankets if they want to. That's true. This is 2020. I mean, it's been true since the beginning of time, but now it's 2020 and you got to be sensitive about it. I just don't. Anyways, I, don't piss me off with the blanket stuff. Blankets are wonderful. I know 14 year old. I work with 14 year old boys. I don't. Okay. I you know what? Mm. If you're a 14 year old boy who either knows Marianne or is just <laughs> listening to this podcast and you happen to like blankets, yeah, please contact wrong. us. Please. If you would accept a blanket from your father and be a, a bl- not only a blanket, but it's got to be a blanket that he had since he was a babe. 
Let oh, a babe. A, a babe. A babe. A yeah, babe. You can let us know. Email us at the number three broomchicks <laughs> at gmail.com. We would love to. I'm going to post the poll. Don't worry. It'll come. So, anyways, Harry's trying to give Albus this blanket. And Albus, of course, cops an attitude, which I guess it leads us to the crux of the issues here. So, we'll get to some conversation. Albus is like, I just wish you weren't my dad. And Harry's like, well, there's sometimes I wish you weren't my son. And in that moment, even as much as I hate this kid, I was like, dude, Harry, like that's that was a so, lot. Yeah, that was, a lot that was like Harry, a little bit much. And that's that like, I just can't, like, I can't see Harry like ever saying that. Oh, and what, I the totally first time, can. Okay. I kind of, I kind of can see. Seriously. All right. So then I'm not even going to delve into it. Then I'll just go to number two. <laughs> <laughs> so after this fight scene, we also have something else important that happens. So remember, three things are happening. This is the second one. Harry's scar hurts for the first time in 22 years. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Are we going to start listening to those rumors now, Harry? Yeah. Are we? No, he's not. <laughs> because he doesn't. The babe. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, the third thing that's happening now is Rose is trying to make amends with Albus and tells him that Harry was supremely brave while raiding the ministry and that he finds a time turner. So Albus obviously puts two and two together and now he wants to get off the train. And this, I literally wrote, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the scene that bothers me more than anything else in the book. But I also have another pin. I don't know where the pin is coming from, but I guess we're going to get there together. It's pin three. It is number, I, but I'm, I literally don't know what I wrote. Like, I cannot remember. Okay, you're like but, revealing your notes to yourself right now. I am. I'm literally, it's like an unveiling for me and for you. So, so they're on the train, right? And now Albus obviously conveniently gets all this information from Rose, who he hasn't spoken to in like four years, but whatever. So they try to escape the train. They're caught by the trolley witch. <sighs> She's described as having her hands transfigured into sharp spikes. And she throws a pumpkin pasty that is a grenade. (laughs) And I literally Um. cannot. I think I wrote in the giveaway book. I'm I'm not sure if I'm mistaken or not, but I'm pretty sure that I wrote in there, like, I can't believe that someone published this. (laughs) Like, I can't believe that they wrote down, like, her hands transfigured into swords. And they were like, this is great content. You should keep it. Like, who edited, who is the editor of this book? This was actually, like, the the part that I was like, this is fan fiction. This is, I read this on Tumblr. Well, no, swear. like, Voldemort baby part. But besides that, I was like, this is fan fiction. Like, I've definitely have read this somewhere. I'm not okay. dreaming of it. I love like I'm it. telling you. I love okay, it. Okay, Marianne, sit down. And I love to just sit down. Sit I down, Marianne. It's like I swear to God, it's like somebody watched like The Terminator and they were like, you know what? Arnold Schwarzenegger is really cool. You know who also I love? The trolley witch. <laughs> it's but that's what it is. It's like they're like, let's get Johnny Depp to play the trolley witch. You know what it was? It's a Helena Bottom Carter was in a movie and Johnny Depp wasn't. So oh. they wrote in this role of uh-huh. the scissor handed w- trolley witch. And I bet you that if they ever make a movie, Johnny Depp is gonna play her. Yes, I could probably guarantee that a hundred percent. I can actually really see it though. <laughs> and it would work. I can't. I can't. If you haven't watched Edward Scissorhands, that's what we're referring to. Google it real quick. Watch the movie. It's pretty good. 
But like, if you don't know, just Google it so that you can see the mental picture that has arisen in Winona our mind. Winona Ryder is in it, and she's like Halloween queen, so you gotta go see her. Okay, so now we're getting to my last pin, pin three, and this is this is where they left me a bunch of space in the book, and I wrote I wrote a whole ass rant. I'm sorry that I cursed. So, Albus says that Cedric dying is basically Harry's mistake. And now I just want to, now I want to stab something. So for some reason, this wording, it just really pisses me off, like in a big way. It's not a mistake. He didn't misfire his wand at Cedric. He didn't try and kill Cedric. Like he didn't know what Lady V that was going to rise out of this coffin or whatever, the the thing, the cauldron. Okay. And then he was going to kill him. Like he didn't walk Cedric into a trap. Like he didn't think it was going to be a funny joke. Like it's not a mistake. It is not, I repeat, a mistake. And it makes me mad that he says this. Yeah. So I just think it was a, an extremely unfortunate and sad event, but a mistake it was not. So I just take an issue with this because I'm like, why aren't we blaming the people that actually committed the murder? Like, I don't know, Ormtail, instead of blaming people like your father who saw somebody else die like right in front of them and was super traumatized by it. I feel like he's missing information. Like maybe yeah. it wasn't exactly explained to him the right way. So I literally don't care. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to like get, possibly give some explanation and some excuse, but honestly, it's true. Like it doesn't matter giving him. Excuse. I just don't it's care. Really like why? Up. Like I just I know that it's just like wording and stuff, but like just shut up, you little fourteen year old. Be with an itch. Like you, I'm so mad at him. You right weren't now. even there. You weren't even there. Like <laughs> shut up. You don't even go here. I just get mad. You don't even know. <laughs> so then in the book we just cut to like this general and this is where i start to get like kind of fed up because we're just constantly bouncing back and forth between two stories and it's not that it annoyed me to read it it just really annoyed me to write it out because i was like now we're doing this now we're doing that now we're doing this now we're doing that <laughs> so now we're doing the general meeting that hermione calls um and draco is being rude af in the scene just yeah. like oh, in a lot of goodness. the scenes but yeah. like also like i love him so we don't care no, we don't. And you know what? Honestly, Draco <laughs> Malfoy is, uh, besides Scorpius Malfoy, the second best character in this freaking book. Like, thank you. Thank you. Yes. No, he, I, I, we're talking about all these characters that don't feel genuinely like those accurate ca- character oh, portrayals. Yeah. This is yes. an act- accurate character portrayal yes. of Draco Malfoy. Yes. It was he's like, still entitled. He's still rude. Yes, but he still like has the that ability growth. to wa- that growth of wanting to change and be better for yeah. his son. Like, thank you, everybody, it, for seeing this. This is this is exactly how the writers' room happened for the curse job. Let me take you back. So we've got <laughs> J.K. Rowling in one seat. We've got uh, John Tiffany in the other, and then we got Jack Thorne. And then they're splitting up the work. Right? We're like, all right, you're going to be taking care of these characters. You're going to be taking care of these characters. You're going to be taking care of these characters. J.K. Rowling only focused on Scorpius Malfoy and Draco Malfoy and then she just gave the characters and split the <laughs> other half between the two of them and yeah yeah and then you know what happened the somebody's pet dog walked into the room and wrote Ronald Weasley <laughs> into the play <laughs> so. are you saying that a dog no way a dog would write better <laughs> oh are you joking God. Do you remember? Do you remember when we covered Puffs for the podcast and we all watched it and Ron was like a literal mop? Better than what we got in the Curse Child. Moving on. Better than what we got in the Curse Child. More accurate (laughs) portrayal. 
So, yes, Draco is being rude AF, but that's okay for now. Honestly, I'm going to be real with you guys. It's not because of Draco as, like, a character. It's because Tom Felton plays him that I accept this behavior. Jenny, like... It's the truth. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. So, Hermione is basically saying, like, something is wrong, and someone, either Lady V or otherwise, is, like, stirring in the mists. And... I just, like, like, I know that Draco is being rude, but hashtag spoiler alert, like, his wife just died, and we need to cut him some slack because he's feeling his emotions, okay? So, the rumors about Scorpius are awful, and, like, he doesn't want to believe, like, something dark is happening, but still, like, he's rude, so we can't, like, totally excuse it, but, you know, like, there's a lot going on in Draco's life right now, so we're going to kind of excuse it. Harry's not being helpful. He is super not being helpful. Okay, this is where I get an issue with, like, Harry's writing. It's like, Harry, do you not remember all the growth that you had with Draco's relationship? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, what? You know what? Did book six and seven not happen? What? I'm just realizing right now, like, how much of a Draco stan I am. Like, it never occurred to me before today. You what, Really? I thought yeah. you knew. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Like, even when I defended the heck out of him in that episode... The Voldemort episode, right? Or was it? No, it was like the Riddles gang no, episode. It was the Riddles. The Riddles gang. Wow, I can't believe that you called him mediocre. I can't believe I'm still friends with you. So anyways, <laughs> at the same time that this meeting is happening, <laughs> Albus and Scorpius arrive at St. Oswald's for the old people. And I... For I'm the old people. About it. I'm just <laughs> mad about it. That's not the real name, but whatever. So they're, they're there to find Delphi. So, which, by the way, like, what kind of name is Delphi? Yeah. Oh, whatever. Listen, we I thought can. of a dolphin, man, the whole time. Oh, yeah, really? I, think, I thought of, like, the duff. Hold on. I'm going to lie Google. I think there's an actual um, meaning. Isn't it, like, it. Delphini or whatever? Yes, her full name is Delphini. Okay, this is going to sound super weird, but isn't there, like, a track in Mario Kart that's called, like, Delphini Square? Oh, my God. Something there like is. it. I'm telling you, I'm going to live Google it right now we are live googling on both ends <laughs> in texas, i feel like we, we should are... have like music in texas we are live googling Delphi. oh it's called delfino square but still oh, that's like all close. i could think of when i was reading this and marianne you are live googling the name delfini okay so this is coming from harry potter wiki so, oh my god, are we gonna get etymology right now? Yes, we're getting etymology right now. <gasps> oh, I haven't done that in such a long time. Fun fact: according to Harry Potter Wiki, she says that she might have been. It says that she might have been born in March, nineteen ninety-eight. Oh, okay. interesting. I don't know if that's true, but Delphine. Let me see if I can find. Okay, well, while you do that, I'm gonna continue on with our notes because there's quite a bit of them. Yeah, I'll come in. I'll come in when I have exactly. So. Delphi, whatever her name is, convinces Amos to let, like, both of the boys help under the guise that Amos wants Delphi to accompany them. So already, like, shade. But then we cut again to a a scene with Harry, Ginny, and Ron and Hermione. Um, And it's not, like, a supremely important scene, but two things happen that I want to talk about. First, Harry finds out that Albus and Scorpius didn't make it to Hogwarts. So this is obviously when the plug starts to thicken. The but two <laughs> yes but two we see a lot of what i call the reduction of ron 
And oh. I just feel like they kind of just made him like a shadow of like a character almost. He basically added nothing of substance and I'm super upset about it. And I just feel like he added really like nothing at all. I think they just decided that in this story, Ron was just going to be a side character. I almost would have loved for them to just be like, oh, God, he's busy working at the store. Like, why did you do this? Yeah, I I guess they just, like, they had to have him there because we had to have the golden trio. But he was definitely written as just, like, the side comic Comic. relief character with no substance or anything. And I I almost would have preferred that over the way, because I feel like, yes, they made him the side character with no substance, but I almost feel like they also made him dumb. A little. And I, like, I understand that Ron wasn't, like, the smartest, but, like, there's a scene where he's holding his, his wand the wrong way. Like, I, they just, I can't. And I, I will say that about it, and I will continue on being upset. Okay, so at the same time, that we've already cut to another scene. We're cutting back to a scene of Albus and Scorpius and Delphi about to take Polyjuice Potion, which I thought was, like, a really cute callback yeah. to when they do it, you know, like, as the Golden Dream. Uh, but to make things weirder, they're turning into Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Super weird. Right? Yeah. Which is, like, a callback within a callback, I guess. <laughs> and I'm super mad because apparently Hermione gives off a fishy residue, and that's a straight-up lie. Like, there's no way that she gives off a fishy residue. Yeah. And I was upset about it. But also, like, don't they all taste different? Like, yeah, isn't there a line? Isn't there a well, line where when Hermione becomes Harry, she's like, oh, you taste so much better than, like, crab and goil or whatever. Maybe. I know they all end up looking different. Like, the, the, the potions change color depending on, like, who. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, goil or crab, one of them was, like, an ugly yellow color. Yes. Like that. So, I don't know. Maybe they- I don't remember. Like, maybe that's what I was remembering, but I was like, I swore that they all tasted different depending on, like, who you were turning into. But then I also remember Moody saying that it tastes, quote-unquote, like goblin piss. So, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I should look that up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we then see Draco and friends arguing about their sons. <laughs> So by Draco and friends, I mean, like, Draco and, like, Harry and Ginny and, like, Ron and everybody. <laughs> Whatever. So Draco's like, I don't care what you did or who you saved. You're a constant curse on my family, Harry Potter. And I was just like, whoa, like, why are you so mean? Why are we being so serious? But, like, also. But also. But also yeah, true. But, like, also. But also true. <laughs> <laughs> so we also see that Albus and Scorpius and Delphi break into Hermione's office. Um, which P.S. was, like, super annoying to me to read because they wrote it down, like, like Albus slash Ron because that's who he polyjuiced into. And then they wrote it, like, Harry, I mean, Scorpius slash Harry, Delphi slash Hermione. And there was just a lot of that happening, and I just wasn't into it because my brain, it was just giving it issues. Oh, your brain short-circuited? It was just, like, it was too much information coming in at one time. And I was just like, I can't do this. And I just kind of shut down. At least in the show, it's kind of like how it is in the movie. It's more straightforward. Exactly. Yeah. Once they turn into the character, then those actors pop up and then you're good to go. It's so good. The way they do it is so brilliant. Oh my God. So there's 
like some riddles and some books that they have to get through but like essentially the time turner is just hidden like in a book and they're which, able to secure it which like i which, like come like, on bro hermione i feel like that's a little obvious for you no mm-hmm. yeah i just like i mean later mcgonagall is like dude really <laughs> like a bookcase i mean again hermione she's gone she's gone soft on us She's just like, oh, Harry, do your paperwork. Yeah. Let's have a coffee. I and swear. And so after this scene is when we get to act two. But before we get, get there right now, two, <laughs> I've got some etymology. On Ooh, the- I forgot about the etymology. Since you asked for it, I am here to provide. But yeah, thank you. before we actually get to etymology, you know what? Something I never even noticed. We've already what? mentioned that. You know, Voldemort baby. Delphi is the Voldemort baby. Technically, Delphi and Scorpius are cousins. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I haven't even, like, realized that yes. until now. They are cousins. I think I, I think I wrote that somewhere. But isn't that crazy and amazing? They're yeah. cousins. But anyways, so some etymology. <laughs> There's actually a lot on her name. It's probably because not a lot of it is confirmed. So I'm just going to skip them through the really important parts, right? Because I'm live Googling as we speak. Gotcha. So, the name Delphini may be related to Delphinus, a constellation in the northern sky. This constellation is said to depict a dolphin. So you were kind of correct. Hey. And its name derives from Delphinus, the Latin word for the marine mammal. Alpha Delphini is a blue-white-hued main sequence star of the constellation. The House of Black, Delphi's mother's family, had a tradition of naming children after stars and constellations. So that's one piece of the puzzle. Then we've got in Greek mythology, Delphine was the name of a female dragon who was appointed by her mother, the earth goddess uh, Gia, to guard the Pythia, commonly known as the Oracle of Delphi. Some myths describe Delphine as being a half-maiden, half-snake creature similar to Echnida. I don't think I said that right, but this could be a reference to Voldemort's inhuman appearance and his relationship with Bellatrix the Strange, a human. Uh, And then I'm going to skip over over here. Observing the name Delphini analogically, as presumably many have done already with the name of Voldemort's familiar, Nagini, the suffix of any, denotes femininity in Sanskrit and similar languages. Um, So one may assume, knowing that Rowling was trained in classics, the name Delphi could be related to the Oracle of Delphi, as we've already mentioned. In this context, however, Delphini could mean prophetess or female soothsayer. And then last but not least, Delphini may also refer Delphinium, which is a genus of flowers that include the Larkspur. This would tie into Rowling's theme of giving her character's name that refers to flowers. So it's just kind of a lot of possible theories based off of just the etymology etymology of the name itself. But also, Um, like, so many of them make sense. So many of them make sense. So, yeah, that's a a little backstory on her name. Dang, he just like kind of like blew my mind. Like, let me relax here for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> also, the original actress who played Delphi, um, Esther Smith, she's amazing. She uh, came out in season seven of Skins, and she did an amazing job. And so when I saw that she was in West End, I was very happy for her. And that's all I've got to say about that. Thank you. She's talented. All right, so we've reached Act Two. 
Act we covered two. a lot in Act One. Wow. And we're about to, but Act Two seems like in our notes, it's like way shorter. Mm-hmm. So we start with a dream sequence. Wow. We're back to those. What? So Harry has a dream that centers around Aunt Petunia and, and then Albus, but like Lady V is whispering his name at the end. There's a lot that's happening. Aunt Petunia is being rude. Albus is just Breathe. like floating around there. And then Lady V is like, Harry. And he's doing all sorts of creepy stuff. So uh, basically, like, Harry tells Ginny that Albus was wearing Dermstrang robes in the dream, which is like, hit, hit, wink, wink, something's going to happen. So they head to McGonagall's office where Obvi, (laughs) Herm, and Ron show up. And so my question here is, like, why is Harry having premonitions again? Like, this is what I don't understand. Like, weren't the dreams that he was having connected to the piece of Lady V's soul that was residing inside of him, and that's why they could share, like, their little mind palace together? Yes, you are correct. Yeah. Thank you. And this is what bothers me. Like, why are we having these dreams again? I don't care who your daughter is or what she did. Like, she's not a piece of your soul that is residing inside of Harold no, Potter. It's so literally I'm very just a, it's a plot device. Like, they needed, to, really find a, they needed to find a way. So, so they were just like, we're going to bring this back because it kind of worked for us in the beginning. So we're just. I'm so upset about it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I was hella confused. Fanfic. So Draco also appears in this scene with his hella good hair and his hella good looks. And oh my god, I think I just wrote honestly that he's in a scene there, and then I skipped over the entire scene because it's unimportant. Yeah, you <laughs> so, did. But I just really wanted to know that Draco appears in a scene because he is perfect. Thank you. So we then switch over to Delphi teaching Albus how to disarm people, and their plan is unveiled. Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. so basically, their plan is to go to the Triwizard Tournament. And yeah. disarm Cedric so yeah. he can't transfigure a rock into a dog, yeah. which is how he won the first challenge. Great plan. Amazing plan. plan. <laughs> so also, this is said. We're certain the dragon won't kill him. And then Albus is like, this is Hogwarts. They won't let any damage happen to any of the champions. I'm sorry. Albus doesn't say that. Delphi says that. Yes. And then I wrote, in all capital, is this girl dumb? They are literally going back in time to save a champion that obvious harm came to. Also, they let 11-year-olds kill a teacher. A snake was loose in the school. The headmaster had them save a convicted felon. But, felon. but like, like... Yeah, they're just not going to let any harm come to the champion. Yeah. Uh, but you got to keep in mind, too, since we know this information, Delphi is dumb. She's like, a little dumb. She oh, didn't go to oh Hogwarts. I don't care if you didn't go to Hogwarts. That doesn't mean that you're a dumb person. I'm just uh, saying, like... Maybe. That, I don't know if you heard that on my mic, but that was literally me hitting my forehead. Like, how <laughs> dumb could you possibly be? But she's clearly missing some Hogwarts history, you know? You can't really know Girl. that stuff unless you went to Hogwarts that... Girl. Kind of like a free reign. You're not going to tell me that Rita Skeeter Jr. didn't write some book for everybody to buy about all of Harry's stuff that happened while he was at Hogwarts. I'm telling you, that line made me laugh so hard because all that befuddled these children is harm while they were at this school. Fanfic. (laughs) But yes, hashtag fanfic. So as Harry is looking for Albus, he stumbles upon Bane, the centaur. 
which I feel like they just uselessly added the centaur oh, into yeah. the mix like, to why? give us A, the title, but B, just because to have a centaur, I don't know. So Bane is like, your son is cursed and he has a black cloud around him. So I guess after this happens, they time travel for the first time in the play. And then I put, and Jenny is freaking mad. I hate yeah. time travel. <laughs> Bye. We're and then Marianne discussed. graciously added very, like, lots of exclamation marks to my sentences. Oh, yeah. I, so, I added many exclamation marks. I think they were So missing. we, <laughs> we go back in time, and it opens up on Ludo Bagman, Triwizard Tournament, oh. circa whatever year it was. What was it, like, 95 or something, 94? 94. Thank you. So it's like, I'm just upset. I hate what they did to Ludo Bagman. He was already like a like a weird character, or whatever. But it was like kind of funny, like the way that he wrote him, like get yeah. a vibe. And then they took that vibe and they oh. wiped their butts with it and they threw it in the trash and then they picked it like out of the sewer somewhere. And this is what they gave us for Ludo back in this book. They published it. They published <laughs> wow. it. They mistakenly. My running conspiracy theory is that this book was published by mistake and then they just had to run with it. Oh, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> so Albus and Scorpius meet term during their time travels mm-hmm. albus disarms cedric but then is yanked back in time immediately we know a couple of things a that ron looks different and that albus collapses after the time travel pulls him back so now cut to the hospital wing harry's asking albus to stay away from scorpius because of brains like stargate bane's stargazing stuff that was going on in his little prophecies but then Harry says that McGonagall will keep an eye on him using the Marauder's Map, which I'm so offended that they're using the Marauder's Map for such filthery. I so, know Fred would be upset. <laughs> wow, no. I can't even believe that you just said that right now. <laughs> I know. It's like somebody stabbed me in the heart. <laughs> I just got like really sad all of a sudden. You don't just like say his name in normal conversation, Mary. Jeez. No, immediately. Oh my god! Oh my god! What is wrong? Are you like trying to attack me? Stop, Peter. Okay, so I don't really care about James. So, okay, all right. Well, this took a turn. This took a hella big turn. So, so we learned that the Marauder's Map is being used for something. Sirius is probably rolling in his grave, but it's revealed that Albus is in Gryffindor now. Whoa, that's that's different. Whoa. What else is different? Ron doesn't make jokes. What? He doesn't run a joke shop. What? What? Padma is Ron's Ew. wife, That's not her. Crazy. Insane. But also, also making me upset. Ron has a son named Penju. Herm is data professor, god. and there is no Rose. Oh my god! Actually, that's I, probably the best part that there is no Rose. Oh, oh my that god! Was, okay, she's a human in a fictional <laughs> world. Come on. So Draco comes to Harry's house because his son is sad and I literally cry all the tears. And so a, basically a fight, like a literal fight ensues. And I feel like that was kind of a callback to Arthur and Lucius fighting in the bookstore in book two. So I thought that was like kind of cool, but not really, whatever. So we now get to the turning point where we like, we get to the turning point that we all deserve with Draco and Harry basically. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Draco says he just can't reach Scorpius, just like Harry can't reach Albus. And then literally, like, tears streaming down my face. And he's, like, oh. talking about the power of friendship and how Draco always envied the trio. And then Ginny's like, 
I did too. And I just oh my cried. god, I could literally moments. cry myself to sleep. I could live in that beautiful moment. It's the remember one. when Elizabeth called Draco a mediocre character. Oh my god. I cannot. <laughs> it's this is the one scene that J.K. Rowling wrote. <laughs> Draco is in it, so she's like, "All right, guys, Draco's in this. <laughs> I'll just write it." Yeah, because everyone like, just write it. Don't worry. Everyone kind of sounded like themselves in this scene. Yes, I'm telling you, I was there in the writers' room. <laughs> I know how it went down. They split up the work and then they just combined it together. Like they just storyboarded. All right, in Act One, Scene One. This is how it's yeah. going. First of all, this is how it's gonna go. So you're gonna take that scene. You're gonna take that scene. I'm gonna take this scene, and we're just gonna put this together. And I'm then- literally living for Marianne <laughs> and her am. conspiracy theories tonight. It's my conspiracy theory, and it's probably true. It probably is. Uh, so Draco says some pretty deep stuff. He oh talks about how loneliness will send you to a dark place, and perhaps that's what Bane was talking about. He also brings up how Voldemort was alone after he wasn't Tom Riddle anymore, and his life was so dark. And I'm like, Jacob, baby, yes. So hot. So in touch with the <laughs> so feelings. Weird. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Albus now wants to go back in time again to fix everything that they undid because if it wasn't like a bad enough idea to go back in time the first time and ruin oh everything, God. they want to do it a second time. What and let me tell effect? you, does that not have, does that not sound like Harry Potter's son? Because yeah. it does to me. It does. So, oh, yeah. so Scorpius thinks it's a bad idea because God bless him. He's pure. But then yeah, he's on board after Albus apologizes to him. But, you know, everybody is weak. We all have our weaknesses. Also, sub note, kind of like, I don't know. Like, I know that there's a lot of, like, shipping going on in, like, the Harry Potter fandom. But, like, what's going on with Scorpius and Albus and all the hugging? I have questions. Oh, my God. I ship them Honestly, so But hard. so hard. I Thank you. Yes. I mean, I, I ship have... him and Rose, too. But, like, I ship, I ship yes. it all. I just oh. I ship Scorpius with everybody because he is such a pure little angel that he everyone should... deserves to have that love. He should Absolutely. love them both, like, at different times of his life, at the same times of his life. I don't oh care. Oh, my God, yes. Scorpius. <laughs> Also, Rose Rose is not good enough for him. I don't like either Albus or Rose, but Albus is better. Okay, I agree. I agree, too. I agree. Tam, Tam, look at me sailing so many ships. Except Albus, not at the beginning of the book. At the end of the book. No, at the end of the book. You know, there has to be growth. There has to be growth, you know? Yes. Okay, so the new plan is to go back to the second task and humiliate Cedric now. Bad. There's also a secret plan to save Herman Ron. But we don't know what it is. They realize that Hermione and Ron belong together. Oh, interesting. Whoa. So clearly J.K. Rowling didn't write that scene. Oh, uh, shots were fired. Bang, fired. bang, bang, bang. Okay. So, baby <laughs> sleeping next door, Marianne. I'm dead. <laughs> So uh, we meet Moaning Myrtle now in the book oh, um, yeah. as Albus and Scorpius want to travel to like the lake through her bathroom. And Lord, did I love me that Moaning Myrtle scene. <laughs> Moaning Myrtle is so good in the play. It is so like, good in the play. I don't know what it is about plays getting Moaning Myrtle right because Puffs yes. got Moaning Myrtle right. And mm. now the Cursed Child got Moaning Myrtle right. It, it was, was amazing. so good. And oh my God, the like... 
oh my god it's just i wish i could say the things i mean i loved her because callback but i also had some problems with how they wrote her really it's redeemed with the actress's performance like, like small minimal comments but i'm like she's in there like talking about being dead she doesn't throw a single tantrum and i mean like we all know that if myrtle made like any sort of comment that could be related back to death like she would have been crying that's her name she's moaning myrtle that's true so i felt like there's some stuff that was missing you know like i missed my little tantrum because we hadn't had it in so many years but it's like whatever but it's so, so the boys go through it's hard to translate that though like she definitely has her tantrum on stage you just can't okay. write you just can't write like well, how do you write that in a script <laughs> the way that they wrote it in the first seven books so Ooh. Shady lady, <laughs> shady lady. Oh my god. Hashtag but me, shady lady. Hashtag shady lady. But let me tell you, the actress redeems it in the play. Like, oh my god, I'm so, so tired of hearing that, but I agree with but you. It's like, so I, good. Not that I agree with you. I accept so you. <laughs> so I do like though, I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit just to like say it, but I do like that she's like, I'll never tell anybody your secrets. I'll send you through the lake. And then as soon as Draco and Harry shows up, she's like, Oh my god, I love you guys. Like I'm your biggest fangirl. Like, let me tell you what your sons did. Oh my that god. I did appreciate. <laughs> so um the boys go through the through to the lake just as Harry and his friends arrive. Um, I I call them Harry and Co. So Harry and Co. finally discover that Albus and Scorpius are time traveling because prior to this, they didn't understand what was going on. But now that we're misusing the Marauder's map and they're like blinking in and out of time, we figure it out. So Albus and Scorpius are successful with their engorgement charm, which is what they use to humiliate Cedric. And Cedric literally floats out of the lake and away from the task, which I thought was a callback to Aunt Marge. Poor Cedric. He did not deserve all of this. Literally. Yeah, he didn't. Um, But Scorpius comes back in time, uh, but he's alone now. There is no Albus around him. And who finds him (gasps) in the lake? But Elizabeth's favorite person in the whole wide world. Dolores Umbridge. Dolores Umbridge. It is. uh, This this part, we have to to savor it. Because we're here and we're like... (gasps) Where's Albus? Oh my God! It's only Scorpius, and now we have freaking Ombre. Like, worse than Voldemort. And guess what, everyone? It's Voldemort Day. Oh my! Voldemort, ooh, Voldemort, Voldemort Day. Thank you for that beautiful ripoff of a classic song. Uh, but yeah, so it is Voldemort Day. That is one of the important things that we find out. But two, she reveals that Harry Potter died at the Battle of Hogwarts. <gasps> but Voldemort Day. Voldemort but Day. Voldemort Day. Voldemort and, so, and I guess like R.I.P. So, Harry Potter. Yeah, that too. That's important. I mean, whatever. So he wasn't even the best character. So we cut at Voldemort Day. And that That's leads us into part two and it is it's quite a cliffhanger except that you have the whole play like you know put together uh but for all intents and purposes this is where our podcast episode is going to end surprise so this is going to be a two-parter so we leave you at Baltimore day we leave you at dolores umbridge and you're just gonna have to tune in to listen to the second part yeah man oh coming soon we did you dirty podcast episode we did you so so 
so dirty. We got no, I'm two. not gonna lie. If y'all didn't see this coming, Ooh. shame. I mean, shame. I literally uh, hashtag multifandom shame shame. But I literally just spilled the beans when I said something about we're not gonna get to Act Two because I thought I was talking about Part Two. So it's fine. I mean, really, you if you didn't see it coming, like you're really trying hard not to pay attention. But <laughs> I just want you to keep in mind a couple of things before we get to the next episode. One, follow us on social media. Oh, yeah. Follow oh, us yeah. on Instagram. We're at the three broom chicks. You can also follow us on Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And you can also like our Facebook page, the three broom chicks. Yes. <laughs> You can also go for like the fifth time tonight to our Patreon yes. and add us on there. And the money. Know, spend some money. Treat Look, yourself. Treat yourself read, to perks. Treat yourself to some perks because they're very exciting. We're very happy about them. But go check it out. And there's even more perks that are, aren't even in the des- descriptions that we're going to give out, like the special episode on the LGBTQ community. Oh, girl, I did that not know where you awesome. were going. And I was like, what are you signing us up for? <laughs> no, that awesome episode with our special guest. Yes. Our, yeah. Our, yeah. Our Patreon. Only the Patreon fam. Patrons? Our patrons. Our patrons. Yeah. Only yes. they get exclusive access. So yeah. yeah. Become a patron and, you know, catch us next time. For our part two of <gasps> the, the Cursed Child. Mm. Oh, I feel sad that I can't do things in unison. Oh, so sad. But it's okay. You can always move back to Florida. It's fine. Oh, no, thank you. All right. <laughs> so, as always, we are the three broom chicks. And it's Voltimore Day! Voltimore Day!